0: Introducing a man who went on the bender of all benders last night, drinking 37 cucumber soda waters, consuming 93 smoky thigh wings, and betting betting $8,000 on Ukrainian table tennis, all as a precursor for tomorrow night at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Just wait till you see what he does for an encore tomorrow night. He is Glenn. Clark.
1: Good morning, it is Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn Clark. He is Paul Valley. Happy Wednesday. Happy NFL Draft Eve to all of those who celebrate. Much to do on the program today. We will be uh, talking some NFL Draft. Rick Spielman, the former Vikings GM, who this weekend is going to be part of the coverage for Fox Sports Radio as well as for CBS. He's going to check in with us also uh, today, our weekly Bowie Bay Sox segment. This time it brings us Red hot, I mean white hot, Bowie Bay Sox outfielder Dylan Harris, who can do it all, made some of the most ridiculous throws I've ever seen in my life, and is hitting like 430 and is good at eluding. I I don't know where this, where did this come from? We're going to find out about that with Dylan Harris later on in the program. Also today we will chat with uh, Drew Forrester, as we do every Wednesday, and we'll continue to preview Project Runway. Frank Remish in Baltimore Arena is going to check in with us. He is a, a tough-looking guy, but he is also a softie and has been a huge part of Project Runway and Show Your Soft Side over the years. Plus, i got some questions about the new arena that I want to get into with Frank Remish. So that is all on the way here on a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of the program. The Would You Rather Wednesday scenarios are up on Facebook. They'll be up on Twitter here shortly, brought to you by Glory Days Grill, Today's show is also brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. As Paul mentioned, that's where I'll be tomorrow night with my friend, the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard. We'll be hanging out with you in the FanDuel Sportsbook for the first round of the NFL draft. Our friends at Great Eights Memorabilia will be joining us with tremendous giveaways for you autographed memorabilia plus we'll have uh, swag from the FanDuel folks and from Live Casino and Hotel and uh, we'll try to help you win some money during the course of the draft that's the plan you want to join us it's gonna be a crazy atmosphere in the FanDuel sportsbook plus we'll have the hoops games up on uh, the various screens as well There is that 100-foot media wall, so there is going to be no problem getting all of the games and the draft on the screens in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Look forward to hanging out with you tomorrow night. Um, Look, a couple things quickly here at the uh, top of the program. One, I... I have no interest in talking about the Phoenix Suns winning a basketball game last night. Because I have no interest in discussing anything until they win the series. I don't feel better about it. They, Yes, they certainly played well. Mikel Bridges, a, a nice game. I, feel, I don't feel like discussing it at all. I don't want to. I would discuss that John Morant dunk until the world comes to an end. That is the single most insane thing I have ever seen in a basketball game. That is more insane to me than Vince Carter dunking on Frederick Weiss. That was an NBA player. That man had a family. That's the absolute most bonkers thing I've ever seen on a basketball floor. Holy F. Now, I don't, I'm, I'm in a weird place with John Morant. I think he's a very exciting player. I think there are also a lot of times where he's just basically playing um, what Was the old American Gladiators game. Is it Powerball? Is that what they called it? Where you just try to go put the ball into the... Yeah. I, it feels a lot of times like he's just playing Powerball. Like All he's doing is just saying, the hell with it. I'm going to go get in the general area of the basket and try to throw the ball towards the basket. And I get that that's part of basketball now, is you're just hoping for a foul call or You're hoping to make some sort of circus shot. I think he's an imperfect player because of it. But athletically, what he's capable of doing, I mean, i holy... I did my best to not say the word there. It's bat-ass nuts what he is capable of doing on a basketball floor. And we saw that last night. And it was wild. And bear in mind, the Grizzlies were struggling through three quarters last night. That really was kind of what picked them up, is that's how the third quarter ended. And they came to life and figured out a way to win a basketball game in the fourth quarter. And to be fair, it also included John Morant making a massive three and then winning the game on um, a late layup as well when he was doing the straight, the Powerball strategy. I I am... It's part of basketball... It feels like basketball has become threes and powerball, and you know that's why we just we don't the mid range jumper of course is gone for everybody but chris Paul he's the only one, but man, is it exciting? my God, is it exciting when you see something like that i you can't i I don't know as a human being. How you don't just have energy like course through your veins. The other thing too is that like you're wondering who else is watching in that moment because all you want to do is talk about it
0: because you just saw something that human beings shouldn't be capable of doing. I just saw the dunk. He jumped over a dude from like eight feet away. Yeah, that was disgusting.
1: Yeah. And you're watching. It's it's one thing you see it on Twitter later, like oh wow, you know it's amazing, right? This is, this is sports. You watch sports because at any moment you might see something that you've literally never seen before. And I've never seen that before. Again, the only comparison is Vince Carter in the Olympics. And he did that to a, a guy who was you know maybe bagging groceries a week later. I don't know. I, mean, he, I know he was an actual player in Europe, but he wasn't an NBA basketball player. This was in a playoff game. This is in a 2-2 series in a pivotal game five when his team is trailing. And it could have definitely gone wrong. I mean, it could have been a spectacular failure. But it wasn't. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in a basketball game. Um, So the Grizzlies went up 3-2. The Suns went up 3-2 last night. And the... uh, The Hawks, thanks for participating. Uh, Really glad I decided to throw a series uh, cover on that. Really, really good decision on my part when it comes to that. All right. Also, uh, last night, the Baltimore Orioles played a baseball game. The uh, broadcasters are back on the road. That was nice. Let's find out if anything matters. He is, of course, our one-minute man, Mr. Paul Valley.
0: All right. So this was one of those games that I was talking about with you the other day where I was saying I'm enthused by this team because they're not losing games 12 to 8. They're losing games 3 to 2. And then they go out and they lose the first game to the Yankees 12 to 8. I take it with a grain of salt because Anthony Rizzo was the hero in the game last night. Uh, three home runs, six RBIs. Um, the average distance was 350 feet on his three home runs. One of them was 327 feet, would have been an out in every ballpark but Yankee Stadium, and had a one. Batting average expected. So, I take it with a grain of salt. Look, the pitching wasn't great last night, but the offense broke out. Only seven hits, but eight runs, four for six, with runners in scoring position. Cedric Mullins continues to get hotter and hotter. He reached base again twice last night. Mancini with another RBI base hit last night. And Austin Hayes with a big three-run homer to get the Orioles back in the game. Look, it was a frustrating game to watch, but you're watching the offense get better, which is something you want to see. You're watching the pitching... Up until that game, has been pretty decent aside from Chris Ellis.
1: Um, a couple of thoughts from last night. Look, you know, we can make fun of Anthony Rizzo you want. Anthony Santander's home run wasn't going to be a home run many other places either. That's true, right? Like, you know, it's you you can you can do the bit, and, and I get it. I, I certainly understand it. The Anthony Rizzo thing. that's a it's a different. It's a stadium that's built for pop ups to be home runs, but the opponents get the advantage of that as well. So you know, it's not like the Yankees get the inherent advantage in those games. Everybody can hit a pop up for a home run. Now they can build a lineup that's that's more based for their stadium, right? Like they can do that, but once the game is played, everybody can hit a pop up and have it go out for a home run. So I it just doesn't do a, I, I, I think there's two different I think it's almost like talking about the um the missed, the missed call with Trey Mancini last week. I'm fine with having the conversation about it, but not pretending like it had an impact on the game like it had no impact on whether or not your team won the game because you knew going in and if your guy hit that ball it was going to be a home run and last night one of your guys hit a ball that would not have been a home run in most places and got a home run out of it so i have no problem with like making fun of yankee stadium and the fact that pop-ups are home runs in general just as long as we don't pretend like that's the only reason the yankees won the game last night like Everybody played by the same rules last mm-hmm. night, and, and the, the Yankees took more advantage of it. So, you know, God bless. Papa bless.
0: U- ultimately, the Yankees won the game last night because they're a better team than the Orioles.
1: Uh, they, is- have a better, they have a better lineup. Yeah. yeah uh, I yeah. mean, like, for sure.
0: Let's be real here. Look, the Orioles scored eight runs, and they didn't get their first hit until the sixth inning. Luis yeah, which, Sever- is, which is wild. Lu- Luis Severino is a very good pitcher. Yep. Very good. One of the best in the game when he's healthy, and right now he's healthy, and he's, in, and he's pitching like Luis Severino. So, and, and, and it showed he held them hitless into the sixth inning last night. So it's one of those things maybe you hope that you go back out there tonight, you're facing off against, I believe it's Jamison Tyon tonight, uh, against Tyler Wells, and maybe the bats get going again, and maybe you put some more lefties in the lineup. Maybe Anthony Benboom gets to start to try and take advantage of that short porch out there um
1: maybe you know like sure maybe I, I look man i you know again as as far as the games themselves are concerned there's nothing I'll, there's not much about last night that jumps out at me in any way that, that sells me on the game having mattered and with there being nba playoff games on last night i just didn't spend a ton of time i flipped over during the commercials and and looked at it and you know was a little nervous that they were going to get no hit for a while and and once they weren't being no hit i, I kind of just pass it off and everybody's like hey it's it's close again and i'm like all right i'll go back over i'll look and i did that just in time to watch the yankees hit a couple more home runs so you know i i didn't spend much time with the or tonight last night was a perfect example of what i talk about right like i'm not ignoring it but there's just better ways for me to spend my time for the most part than watching a bad baseball team now the argument about hey they were competitive they were fun they were interesting and this goes back to the conversation we've had about brandon Hyde and. How competitive can they be and how interesting they can be in order for him to maybe be considered to keep the job long term? These are all you know, different conversations. Clearly the biggest Oriole story of the night was what went on in Aberdeen last night. And that Adley Rutschman played and got a double and got on base a couple times and all seemed to be good in his first step in getting towards playing for the Baltimore Orioles this season.
0: I thought you were going to say the most important thing was that D.J. Stewart cleared waivers. and was Ah, it very was to very
1: eyes. important, right, where there's nowhere for him to play. It was a very important moment. The Orioles made sure they held on to D.J. Stewart yesterday. No, I don't think that one was the one. I don't <laughs> think that was the most important most important part of the night for the Baltimore Orioles. Look, um, it, it was a game, by the way. It's Jordan Montgomery tonight. It's tie on tomorrow. Oh, tie on tomorrow, night. okay. Um... You know it, it it was a game that was played and I'm, I'm not trying to be dismissive of it or pretend like it's a bad thing for the Orioles to be scoring runs. It's obviously not a bad thing. I'm glad they scored some runs i i i I didn't I was concerned when the Orioles weren't scoring runs at the beginning of the season. They started to score some runs uh, Andrew Steck is very happy all of a sudden the overs are all hitting after after the Orioles couldn't hit a single over in their first twelve games. It's nothing but overs since that point so if you're a betting person, figure that out um There's not much. There really aren't many takeaways at all for me from last night, other than if you decided to sit down and watch the game, there were a lot of runs scored, and so maybe you found yourself entertained by that. That's that's about all I can say. As far as big picture, there's not much there for me.
0: Another important thing that happened uh, within this organization last night is Grayson Rodriguez went out last night and pitched a ball game, and he faced his first challenge, really, at Norfolk. Yeah, struggled Um, a bit. um, He was really impacted by really poor defense. A couple of ground balls that should have got him out of the inning without runs scored. But after that three-run first inning, he uh, gave up one hit, one walk with five strike I think four strikeouts the last three innings, which was nice to see. The pitch count got up close to 80. I believe he was at 77 pitches last night. And he sat down through about an hour-plus rain delay and was brought back into the game. Okay, I did not know that part. That's interesting. He had to get up and warm up like he was starting a game twice. That's that's interesting. It was actually a fairly impressive start considering what he had to deal with last night. All right,
1: all right. So there's that. That's what's going on in uh, in Orioles land, if you will, as uh, they fell to the Yankees last night, and they will continue the series tonight up in New York. It was nice. I like. I can't shake it. It was nice that the broadcasters were at the game. So there was like an uh, there was at one point when I flipped back, there was some sort of like incident going on where they were like talking to the grounds crew, and they were trying to figure out what that was all about. And the broadcasters were like, actually there.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: It's very nice. What a subtle idea, or what a not subtle is the wrong way of saying it. What a what a novel. That's the word I was looking for. What a novel idea. I know English. It's almost my first language. Um, What a novel concept to have the broadcasters there at the game in order to be able to give a little context to whatever's going on with the weather, things along those lines, the grip on the ball. By the way, how about Chris Bassett going off last night about the balls? Chris Bassett from the Mets, like, lost it about how bad the baseballs are. And this is a, a bigger conversation that sort of goes back to last year and the substances that pitchers can and cannot use. And we've seen how many, apparently the Met every Mets hitter, is being hit with a pitch every time they come up to the plate this season. It's it's insane. There's like seven hit batsmen a game. It's nuts. And Chris Bassett just went off about how terrible the baseballs are. And that basically like the grip on the ball is drastically different from one inning to the next inning. Like, you'll get balls in the first inning, the grip's terrible, you finally figure it out, then by the second inning, it's completely different balls, and... You have no idea what you're doing. I don't know enough about the science of this. I don't know exactly what it is they're doing. I I couldn't tell you why this might be the case. But there were others who echoed the sentiments of Chris Bassett last night. It clearly appears to be a problem for Major League Baseball and goes back to what a lot of people said when they banned substances a year ago, which is, look, we get what you're trying to do. But at the same time, we don't want these pitchers to not have a grip on the ball.
0: Yeah, like we especially want if they all throw 100. Yes,
1: man. we want them. That was something that a lot of people said a year ago, and it's sort of continuing into this year and is a problem. The other baseball story from yesterday, of course, being that the Yankees' letter was released and was kind of a disappointment for everybody that was hoping that it would be a some sort of bombastic thing and – it doesn't really make sense as to why there was such a fight to keep it sealed. It basically only confirmed what we already knew, which was that the Yankees were using their replay room to to help steal signs from runners on second base, which there is so much gray area to this. It was cheating, but, like, everybody was doing it, and the commissioner didn't really come out and say, hey, stop che-. it cheating. Until afterwards, because everybody figured out what the Astros were doing, and so they were mad about that, and then they had to crack down on everybody else that was cheating. Oh, like steroids. And, what's that? Like steroids. Kind of like steroids, but steroids were illegal. That's the only thing that I always come back to when we try to justify the steroid thing. We we oftentimes try to—like, the steroids were illegal. You were breaking the law. <laughs>
0: Fair enough.
1: This is not breaking the law. Yeah. So it's a little, it's it's a bit different in that way. Which again, I have my own opinions about steroids, but like we do try to say, hey, they weren't banned by baseball. Right, they were banned by America. <laughs> <laughs> Which kind of supersedes. Like, Excellent point. I don't know what the rules are in Canada, so maybe the Blue Jays players could, I don't I don't know. I mean, if you were playing with the Expos at the time, I don't know. Looking
0: but- at you, Joey Betts.
1: Yeah, well, he was not part of. He was by the time steroids were banned in baseball, he was not uh, part of the Blue Jays. So, it would be more like Joe Carter, you know, like we'd be talking more along that era. Uh Carlos Delgado maybe no, somebody ba- like that. Oh, he was
0: part of. They were banned in 2007. No, that's the, when the, that's when the, the report he, came out.
1: The uh, re- Who's he? Hang on a second. I'm talking about the original time that the commissioner said something. Maybe they weren't banned, but the first time the commissioner said something.
0: The first time that they started like really speaking out about it was 2005 when they yeah. had the congressional hearings. Was he already there in 2005? And in, I, think it was or, oh, he, I think he was there in or 08.
1: I think it's more like that. I didn't think he was there. But the, when the
0: Mitchell Kitt report came out in 2007, I'm pretty sure he was already there. I don't know why we're
1: spending this much time thinking about this. Whatever. It's irrelevant. It's certainly beside the point. The moral of the story being... Uh, twofold. You, I don't care that there's nothing new from this Yankees letter. I don't. I, I'm going to say all the same things I said before. You guys can't get me to be more mad at the Astros because you want to be more mad at the Astros. As I said at the time, everyone stole signs. Their scheme was more audacious, certainly more comical than the average team's scheme. They were better at it. They were figuring out new ways to get away with it. And to say, hey, well, this other cheating we've just always accepted as being part of baseball, that doesn't mean anything to me. It's nuts. We've heard litanies of stories of, of guys with binoculars in the outfield and things along those lines. throughout. It's, sign stealing has always been part of baseball. I get it. I get it. We all want to hate the Astros. It's fun to hate the Astros. And yes, what they did was certainly far more audacious. But this thing where they're evil and everyone else, it's its, it's zero or a hundred. The Astros are are evil. They're the worst thing that ever happened to baseball. And everybody else was just fine and did nothing. It, it, there's, it, it spits in the face of truth and fact. Yes, what they did was more audacious. But everybody was stealing signs. Everyone was. They came up with a scheme that they were able to use and find more success with it. And that's really inherently what we're mad about. What we're mad about is that they had success. If if a bad baseball team did what the Astros did, we would not remotely care. We care because they won a World Series. Red Sox stole signs and won a World Series too. They didn't do it the way the Astros did, but they did. The Yankees weren't good enough to win a World Series despite the fact that they were stealing signs. It's, you know, I don't know what to say. We're mad because the Astros won. And what they did was comical. I mean, they were banging on trash cans. I get it. It's comical. But you've never been able to get me as mad as everybody else is at well, them.
0: And when I when I heard the news, my initial reaction was, uh, every team does that. Big yes. Big deal. That's it. Big deal. It's all
1: I could ever think about was
0: everybody steal signs. Yes, what they did was maybe a step
1: further than what everybody else was doing. But the idea that they're the ones, again, this 0 to 100, everybody else is fine, the Astros are evil. Everybody was stealing signs. They came up with a better scheme for it. I don't know what else to say. All right, let us head down to Bowie. Every week we make a trip to Bowie to chat with a member of the Base Sox. And rarely do we chat with someone who is hotter than the surface of the sun. This guy is doing everything. Ripping the cover off the ball, eluding tags at home plate, throwing from the outfield better than Vladimir Guerrero. He's Dylan Harris, and he's with us now here on Glenn Clark Radio. Dylan, it's Glenn and Paul in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Happy to be here. Man, it is so good to chat with you. What has gotten into you, dude? Like, to... Did you did you discover some sort of magic potion this off season or something like that? <laughs>
3: uh no, I wish it was that easy. Uh l- later last year, I uh, kind of found my groove a little bit towards the end. Um I mean, looking back, at it, it wasn't the season I wanted to have, but um trying to take the positive away from it, I felt pretty good at the end. Uh so this off season I just went home, um kind of critiqued it. Um and
1: then came back this spring uh ready to go so did you know like going into the season did you just sort of have a feeling that hey the work that you did and i and i know that it's a small sample size we're not talking about a you know a full season of you hitting 435 which by the way if you do i don't think you're going to be at Bowie very long (laughs) um i understand that we're talking about a week's worth of, of hitting at that level but did you come into this year feeling particularly good feeling like you were ready to break out or did did you have to sort of see that see the results in order to believe that was the case
3: um i mean i knew it deep down that i had it in me uh last year kind of put me down a little bit uh because i really wasn't used to that kind of year coming from college and stuff um but yeah i knew i had it in me uh but seeing the production come out, actually, uh, makes me feel really good, uh, makes me feel confident again, uh, and way better than last year. I mean,
1: my God. man! All right, so the throw the other night, the one at the, the, from left field to the plate, which I, I don't even know how you can turret your body in order to get the throw off, more or less, get it to the plate in the way that you did. Like, is that something that you've always known you could do and we just haven't seen before? Or did you, even you, after that, have to say, holy crap, I can't believe I just did that?
3: Um, it was a little bit of both. Uh, okay. Because when the ball was first hit, I was like, okay, I got to, you know, kind of catch this on the run, and then I'm going to have to make, you know, a, a crazy throw. But um, I always practice those kind of sidearm throws uh, during, like, warm-ups and BP and stuff, uh, just because I know every throw is not going to be, hey, you're charging in, you're going to make this nice, easy throw. So I always practice it, but usually it's the second base and stuff. But even when when I got that out, um, I literally was, like, wow, I have no clue how I did
1: that. <laughs> right. So so the camera, of course, cuts away from you because it goes to the plate. I just retweeted it at Glenn Clark Radio for those of you that haven't seen it yet. It's the most – we were talking about the John Morant dunk earlier today. This is the, the baseball throw version of it. Um, <laughs> the camera cuts away from you. Are you, like, hopping up and down in left field because you're so excited about it? Or are you too cool? Do you have to, like, pretend like, oh, my God, no, I, I had it all the way? Yeah.
3: Well, the first thing, the third bullpen, because I was right over next to them, they were like, holy crap. And I literally turned to them, and I was like, what the heck did I just do? (laughs) And then I literally, the whole way to the dugout, I was like, wow, wow.
1: (laughs) What is the reaction from the other guys? Are they they losing their minds as you get back to the dugout?
3: Yeah, they were like, how did you do that? And I'm like, I have no clue. I, mean, I don't know.
1: Right? Okay, so do you attempt to recreate it after this, this is the real question, right? Do you attempt the next day because I'm sure everybody still wants to talk to you about it. Look, look, we you know, what we're 4 days later and I've been dying to talk to you about it. Do you attempt to go do it again? Does anybody say I bet you could never you could never make that throw online again? Do you attempt to or do you just sort of say, "Nope, I've done it. It'll live until I'm ever asked to do it again in a real game?"
3: yeah i think i have to leave it as what it is i think the one of one unless it happens
1: in a game again
3: but uh yeah i don't i don't think i need to try to prove it to anybody else again
1: did you happen to like get the thing was being shared everywhere on social media did you happen to like see someone who shared it or get a reaction or notice someone who liked it that you were like holy crap i i can't believe this person saw a play that i made on a baseball field
3: I tried to look as much as possible, but um, I mean, honestly, my sister blew me up about being on Barstool
1: Sports. Yeah, it's a big deal. That's a really big deal, right? Like, I people, anybody growing up right now, like that is that's basically what it was for me to be on like Sports Center as a kid. That's even better at this point to have been highlighted by Barstool, man. Like that does not suck. (laughs) Dylan Harris is with us from the Bowie Bay Sox, and again, if you missed the throw, we shared it. Agline Clark Radio on Twitter. Dylan, like, you know, what does that do for your confidence as a baseball player, right? Like, doing something like that. Do you, do you try to forget about it? Like, hey, I don't just want to be the guy that made a throw that people think was cool. Does it allow you to raise your game? As I talk about, you're red hot at the plate. You know, you did a great job of avo- avoiding a uh, tag at the plate this week. Like, what does it do for your overall confidence to have a moment like that?
3: Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, having a huge week at the plate, uh, is just, you know, one big thing. And I think to be able to show it on the other side of the ball, being know, to play elite defense, um, just kind of opens everybody's eyes up a little bit more about me. Um, because once you're doing one thing good, you know, everybody's kind of locked in on that, but if you can show it on both sides of the ball, you know, it opens them up a lot more. And then the slide is just I kind of, I guess it just kind of pertains to the type of player I am. Um, Just, I try to play the game as hard as I can, so,
1: yeah. I mean, bro, like, it's all working right now. (laughs) It is is nuts. I I feel like right now you should play the lottery or something, man. It is is your week, dude. (laughs) Like, it's crazy. Give me priorities for you, right? Like, you know, coming into this season, you talk about the work that you put in. You're at the double-A level. What are the priorities for you? Obviously, it'd be great to hit 435, but, you know, it's probably not going to be the case. Baseball's a difficult sport. There's a whole long season. What are the priorities for you this year as you try to, and and I think, raise that profile to say, no, I am a Major League Baseball player. I am, even though I wasn't getting the attention that maybe other guys got, I'm that type of player.
3: Yeah, um, I think, I think uh, a big part is the defense. Um, last year I didn't play good defense at all. <laughs> um, and, of course, I want to hit better. I mean, that's every baseball player. But, um, yeah, I just want to get my offensive numbers up and then just play the type of defense that I did last week. Um, it, I guess that kind of killed me more than, you know, the hitting last year. is Like I, I couldn't go out and tell somebody, yeah, I played – you know, 10 outs and good defense because um, that's always been the type of player that I wanted to be. I wanted to be, you know, the defensive elitist and then, you know, hitting is what it is because it's the hardest thing to do in sports. So, um, yeah, I think I just tried to come back and be a better defensive player and then just hope that my hitting turned back into what it used to be.
1: Do do you feel any pressure because of your age, Dylan? Like, did you? Did you talk about the off season? Were you already starting to think about things like that? Like, look, man, you know, I, I, I don't want to be a 29-year-old like trying to, to to keep working my way through this thing. I know 25 in the world is young, but you know, in baseball terms, did you already start to feel any of that? Where like I need to get on the radar now?
3: Yeah, it's always kind of a thought in the back of my head, but um, I mean, when I'm out working with these guys and stuff uh i don't feel like i'm that much older um yeah. of course you know my body hurts a little bit more than these 18 year olds but um yeah i just try to not, i try not to think about it but i i guess i think more about it in the off season than i do when i'm here because i don't i don't feel that old when i'm around these guys
2: i
1: get that i mean like you're just one of the guys at that point right like you're all just right. baseball players trying to find your way man like it's as simple as that Um, The Bay Sox are away this week. They are back home next Tuesday night for Military Appreciation Night against the Harrisburg Senators. Next week's homestand includes a couple of day games in the afternoon, opportunities to take the family out next Wednesday at noon, next Thursday at 11.05 a.m. And next weekend events include fireworks and a great Mother's Day celebration, including a Mother's Day brunch Get your tickets and find out more about all of these upcoming events by going to Baysox.com. Dylan, you know, as I referenced, like getting on the radar, things like that. I mean, you obviously know what's going on in the Orioles organization right now. Does that create like a competitive fire, knowing that there are opportunities to be had? That 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 every single one of you guys that's there really could be a part of the equation in the major leagues in in the next year or two.
3: Yeah, it's, a, it's an awesome thing to be a part of um, because, I mean, we're the number one farm system out there and everybody sees the prospects. Yep. Even our secondary level of players are unbelievable. Um, and I, I guess that's, you know, a thing that people don't see a lot is our secondary. And, you know, you hate injuries, but injuries happen. And for us to have that secondary group They could, you know, bounce up there and be up there, depending on what kind of years they have
1: and stuff. I think that's a huge thing. I think there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt. And what do we need to know about you, Dylan Harris? Our first opportunity to chat with you. What? Tell me about you away from baseball. What are you into? What's What's life all about for Dylan Harris? Uh,
3: I got two dogs at home. Love to play with them. What kind of dogs? Uh, uh, Weimaraners.
1: Oh, nice. Nice. Very cool. What, okay, hang on a second. This is an important question. So we learned uh, l- uh, last week that Grayson Rodriguez's dog is named Ace, which is my favorite thing ever. So what are your dog's names? We got Whiskey and Prince. <laughs> I like those two, by the way. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I like those two. What else do we need to know about you, Dylan?
3: Uh, I play golf every every chance I get. Um, okay,
1: can can you can you yeah. rat out who uh, one, which one of your teammates is the worst golfer that you've gone out with maybe on a Monday this season? Definitely Hudson has Really, you, you know yeah. he's got that unique swing, right? Like I imagine that doesn't translate so well to golf. Yeah,
3: he'd hate to admit it, but <laughs> I'm thinking I throw
1: him under. I'm thinking he could sort of be like Charles Barkley with, with that swing. <laughs> it works. It works great in baseball. It works tremendously well. He's a hell of a hitter. But oh, yeah. it's unique. It is very unique, no doubt. Dylan, man, it's great to catch up with you. Um, c- congratulations on the incredible start to the season. May it continue forever, right? May, may you be hitting yeah. 430 in the majors by the end of the year, dude. Um, uh, thank you for taking the time for us this morning. We'd love to do this again down the road as, as the season continues, all right? It's, thank you. Dylan Harris and the Bowie Bay Sox. Seriously, one of the most ridiculous throws I've ever seen in the history of baseball at any level. At Glenn Clark Radio, you can go check it out on, um, on Twitter, and you can see it there. Just nuts, the throw that he made over the weekend. And, you know, he's hitting 430 to start the season. Been a decent little start to the year for Dylan Harris. Turning a couple of heads, people are interested. Today's show, also brought to you by the Stan the Fan Variety Hour. Speaking of Orioles minor leagues, if you missed it, Stan and Ross caught up with Aberdeen Ironbirds, GM Jack Graham. Obviously a huge week for them with Adley Rutschman being there and D.L. Hall coming. That conversation available facebook.com slash pressboxsports, pressboxonline.com slash video or youtube.com slash pressboxonline. All right, when we come back in, we got to make some decisions about our draft. Draft. Paul's hasn't done this before, so tomorrow I guess we need to make sure. I, I, I call Ken during the break. See if he wants to come on for a second here because we're gonna do the segment tomorrow. Um, we got to make some decisions about our draft. Draft. That's that's what we gotta we gotta flush that out next. And speaking of the draft, Rick Spielman, former Vikings GM, is gonna join us as well. We'll get his thoughts on what's gonna happen, what the Ravens should do. That's on the way. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number two sauce, and take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, glorydaysgrill.com to find out more. Great
0: food, good sports. Baseball is back. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. You can find us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon talking all things Orioles and Major League Baseball. Like the debuts of Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez. And how the rotation and bullpen are rounding into form. Watch us live at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Or you can listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. That's the bat Around live with the latest in baseball coverage every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon.
1: The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of Models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you
2: miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio.
1: Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. It is a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of GCR. We'll get into those. Those scenarios are up, and we're getting a ton of action on them. It's an NFL draft-themed draft themed would you rather Wednesday? So get your responses in at Glen Clark Radio on Twitter, facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. Someone's winning a $25 gift card to Glory Days Grill. So we got to come up with a draft, draft thing. So, Paul, what you don't know is that every year we have a tradition that on the day of the draft, we draft players. Everybody does their stupid like fantasy drafts and as you guys know, I don't ca- the thing where like who drafted the best? Who cares? Like it's not a thing. Like who who had the best cartoon character draft? What what is that? Trust me, I I get it. I this is like the when I say that I don't care for the hot take business, I get that the lazy irrelevant stuff is what plays in the world if you listen to this show it's because you don't want that so we draft like we're betting everything is a fantasy draft to me there's there's got to be something that comes from it so tomorrow morning we will once again draft which players could be drafted by the baltimore ravens during the course of the weekend i don't remember i think we all did 30 last year i feel like that took too long we'll see how many we do but K- KZ will do it with us. The idea being this has a quick payoff. By the end of the weekend, we know the loser. So the loser, we don't have to wait like months like we had to wait with Stecker or like we're going to have to wait with the baseball draft. The loser could pay it off within days, frankly, uh, whoever ends up losing this, this draft. Um, I K- feel like I'm at a very big disadvantage. Not at all. Who do you think's lost the most?
0: I mean, I guess Ken. Ken
1: is the draft expert because you don't know we all think, the people want to pretend like they know something going into the draft. Nobody knows anything. It's nonsense. This we think we know something bit. We have no clue. We just want to feel like we're smart and we're pretty and our, our mothers are very proud of us. Like, that's what we want to feel like. So we go on and we say things like we know what we're talking about. We have no clue. We certainly have a clue as to what the Ravens' like needs are but we don't know how the board is going to fall. We don't know who's going to be there. So, you know, looking at a couple of positions and saying, hey, maybe learning what the names are of the players throughout the draft at that position might be a thing worth doing. Like, you know, I think we all think that edge rush is somewhere they're going to to address. So you can literally just pull up a list of the top-ranked edge rushers and say, hey, that guy looks like he's a fourth-round pick. The Ravens have five fourth-round picks. Might be a good place to be drafting in our draft draft from. That's the idea. Ken uh, was a loser last year, had to w- eat a Spaghetti-O pie, a spaghetti and Milk pie. Uh,
0: spaghetti would be fine with milk?
1: I still, I still can feel it. I, like I, I, I mean, still can.
0: pizza places make spaghetti pizza. Yeah, we're,
1: that's, we're, that's, that's, that's not necessary. Like, I didn't...
0: It's not bad. It's, it's not good. We gotta, we
1: gotta, it's like the people that make salad pizza. Like, what, what is that? Yeah. They, like, put salad on top of it. If you wanted a salad, order a salad. If you want a pizza, order a pizza. Like, I don't know why this is We try too hard. We think we're coming up with some sort of brilliant concept when it's just, imagine walking into a place and saying, ah, you guys have a spaghetti pizza. You also have a delicious pepperoni pizza. I think I'll choose the spaghetti
0: it's a novelty. It's just Come something on. that you yeah. try. Like, um,
1: I, you're never going to order it again.
0: No, you're, you're probably right. You've never wanted it. Um, We're just
1: trying very it's, hard.
0: It's funny, though. The most popular flatbread at the restaurant that I work at yes. is the one with the salad on top. That, why? Because it's like a bruschetta pizza. <sighs> we, we,
1: people need help, man. You want a salad? Get a salad. This is not hard. Boy, you like the idea of salad? Well, I got a crazy concept for you.
0: A salad! <laughs> Get a normal pizza and a side salad.
1: I don't know why this is so difficult for everyone. I don't know why we struggle. Like the overtime rules. It really is about like trying to prove how smart we are. Like, mm. I can get a pizza that's also a salad. That sucks. I'm sure at your place it's fine. I'm not trying to be disparaging towards them. I Order something else. <laughs> God sakes. This uh, our lives are about proving how smart and how cool we know about this thing that you don't. We can get a pizza salad. What? What? What is that? What are you doing with your life?
0: Seek help. All right, sorry. Is that is that the food that John's providing tomorrow night? The pizza salad? Uh, yeah, let's see if we can
1: get a pizza salad for you. Uh, yeah, I don't even know if we announced it, but uh, you and KZ and I believe Joe Serpico are going to be doing uh, live coverage during the first round. Our Project Game Day Draft Special will be tomorrow night. Uh, Facebook.com/slash PressBox Sports, YouTube.com/slash PressBox Online, as well as PressBoxOnline.com/slash Radio. Uh, the boys, unfortunately, Reed and I are down at the casino. We will be checking in during the course of the draft special. Um, but uh, it just we, we were hoping to do it from the casino. It just didn't work out, and so Rita and I will be down there hosting at the casino. We want you to join us. If you can't, if you're like John and Little Rock uh, or Paul and Ovi Lando, then you can check in during the uh, Project Game Day draft special, which will be tomorrow night with uh, uh, KZ, Joe Serpico, and Paul. So, all that being said, we need a draft draft penalty for this year. Now I'm willing to listen to other ideas. I'm willing to listen to other concepts, but the draft draft penalty I think I have in mind begins with a video that I saw that was shared out by the uh, the Hot Ones folks, the uh, the 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 Feast people. I don't the, the first we feast, I believe is what they're called, which is Sasha Banks, the professional wrestler eating mustard and watermelon. You might ask to yourself, why? And I say, I have no better idea than you do. It's apparently some sort of thing. It's apparently something that people on the internet are doing. People do a lot of dumb things on that old internet. And Sasha Banks was eating watermelon and mustard. It's a whole bowl of watermelon covered in French's mustard. I mean, it's covered. Every single square is covered in mustard. She does not appear to be enjoying the treat that she is partaking. She doesn't appear to like it. I think that's going to be part of the penalty, but I don't know what else. And there needs to be a second level to me of the penalty. KZ is with us.
0: By the way, he has a message that he deserves more respect than you're giving him. What do you mean,
1: more respect? Yeah, ask him. What are you talking about? Ken Zales, Press Box NFL draft analyst, joining us now here on GCR. What do you want more respect for? You're, you're a regular loser in this.
2: I assume, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to assume yes. that... Um, when you booked your show today, that right. lots of people that are appearing on your show like, got heads up call more than 30 seconds. Before well, no, no, they, no. I just realized them.
1: that we never came up with a penalty. We're, we're going to do the segment tomorrow. This is the pre segment segment. Oh, we're my doing God. the draft draft tomorrow, as we do every year. Today, we have to finalize the pe- I tweeted you. We wouldn't have to do this if you would respond to a tweet. I was about oh, to- I'm yeah. oh, I'm t- sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Shut up. I per- I forgot that's how we communicate all the time. Oh, what do you want me to do? You want me to make a personal call? Your phones off half the time. Stop it. I, I, I'd at least like a text. Stop it. I we need to figure this out. We need a okay. penalty for the draft draft. I sent you the video of Sasha Banks eating the mustard watermelon. Why? That looks I, disgusting. Of course, it looks disgusting, Ken. That's the point. It's not supposed to be a pleasant penalty for the loser of the draft. Draft. It's supposed to it's, suck. What if it's good though? I mean, did did you think the Spaghetti O milk pie was good? The first
2: bite was okay. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was every bite after that that was downhill. I
1: <laughs> I I think we have to like we have to decide. I think whoever loses is responsible for like bringing in a lot. I it, I want to say it's a big bowl of watermelon covered in mustard. I think it's a big old bowl of water... Like, an uncomfortable amount of food to begin with. And then on top of that, it's covered in watermelon. In order to... guess, I think if it's just, like, three square, three cubes, after a while, you'd be like, all right, it's it's over, it's done. It's not all that painful. I think there's got to be... You had to eat an entire spaghetti-o-milk pie. I mean, that, that was... A, that,
2: that,
0: that that was not fun.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying.
0: See, the person that, that, that gets the punishment, that has to do it... Yes. They shouldn't be the one to bring it in. No,
1: no, no, that's what I'm... Well, they... It's very difficult to do this. I, this is where you're wrong. I, I had to make mine. But yeah, part of part about? of the responsibility of being the loser is that you have to do the work, right? Right, like,
0: but then I could bring in a smaller. You know, amount that's of why think... we. That's
1: why we determine it ahead of time. That's why we make sure there's no gray area here. You've got to bring in. I would argue an entire watermelon, but I don't know if we have knives to carve the watermelon here. That would involve doing a little bit more work. I'm in favor of that. I'm in favor of loser having to bring... You don't have to eat the whole watermelon. It's just so you can't get out of how much you have to eat. You have the whole watermelon, then we decide how much you have to consume. That involves a bit of work, right? Like You have to come in a couple minutes early one of these days in order to make sure that that happens. Whoever it is that loses. Whoever that loses, all of us that day would
0: have to be in... It's going to be me.
1: You keep saying that. Ken
0: normally loses. I lost.
1: I lost. Ken is a regular. You lost something else too, didn't you? No, that was Did the you? only one I've lost. I could have sworn you were losing. Who lost the first one? Did I? I lose a lot too. I, so I, that's the little. only one I've lost. All right, then I must have lost the year before. What was the penalty? Oh, that was. You know what? That was, we didn't have you involved with that. That was just me versus Kyle, and I had to wear the Mike Shashevsky panties over my face. That was the oh, and Kyle lost. We both lost. We did a bet between the two of us, and we said if we finished tied, we're both losers. We had to do an entire show. I wore uh, Mike Shashenshewsky panties as a mask, and Kyle wore an Ohio State uh, pair of panties as a mask. That was the loser of that, and I believe we also, I think we had like the 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 Woody Page chalkboard behind us with something terrible written on it. Like we did that was the bet the year before. So I have, in in fact. It's been very evenly spread, the losers in the draft draft. Been very evenly spread. Because Ken truly has no clue who the Ravens are taking in the third round of the NFL draft. He knows who the players are that are likely to go in the third round of the NFL draft. But you have the internet. (laughs) Ken tells you who the players are that are likely to go in the third round. You can go to the internet the same way and literally read Ken's work. In order to compete in the draft draft. You could.
2: Ken it, has it would be that simple. He
1: has no access to Eric DaCosta's thoughts. He has no access to the board in the room. No one does. No, and by the way, I'm brokenhearted because too many people are now mocking Jordan Davis to the Ravens, so it's definitely not happening. Jamison Hensley did last night on that ESPN thing. Uh, the Athletic did today. Can't
2: believe, can't believe he took Davis last night.
1: Why? Because Charles Cross was on the board. Oh, that is a little surprising, actually. Then you're right. I was like, I, I, I was was like, really? I this is what we're doing. I did not, I did not watch this thing. It was just, in, I was informed. I, I only
2: yeah. paid attention through fourteen because I just like to see like who's available. And I was like, well, well, we're taking Cross here. It's it's like a no brainer. We don't expect them on the board. All right, All
1: right. so <laughs> we're we are gonna okay. do we're gonna do the watermelon mustard thing, right? Yes. We're doing that. By the way, we're going to do this. There's going to be a quick turnaround on this, so I need to know what your schedule's like because we're going to do this one in in the next couple of weeks. I want to make it. Yeah, that that yeah, that's not going to happen for me if I. What hate. are you talking about? What do you What do you have um, going on?
2: Um, I I, I I do this silly thing called uh, coach stop, softball, stop, stop. and 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 you can't the next have a, two a weeks day. are the last two weeks and playoffs. <sighs>
1: we we'll, all right. We'll deal with that. We'll do it. Maybe, yeah. maybe it'll be the week after the playoffs. Whatever it is, that 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 will work. For I me. don't. I don't want this to wait forever. Like we. we no, we, I agree we, with we you. We get a we get a quick payoff on this because we're doing it tomorrow, and the draft is this weekend. So we'll do the watermelon mustard thing. We need something else. What is something? I, this is what I asked you on Twitter the other day. Last year, we did the Quinn Miners thing because we were all obsessed with Quinn Miners. Yeah, nobody, nobody's really stood out Well, like who's this. somebody that you're obsessed with later on in the draft? Who's somebody that you're like, I, I want this guy no matter what?
2: Um, uh, the guy I'm obsessed with is Alex Wright, the edge out of UAB. Let's
1: see if I can find a fun fact about Alex Wright. Yeah, try to find a fun fact. I would, I would,
2: I would love for him to somehow find his way into purple.
1: There's not a lot of not a lot of details on his old UAB bio. <laughs> they, they, okay. Apparently, they didn't care much about Alex Wright down there. There is literally nothing. What are they doing now? How
2: about you, usually usually the offensive linemen are, are Yeah, are that's good. what well, about, I was. Uh, I really like, How about Tom Zach, a Wake Forest who, offensive who, tackle? Who, who is Tom it? Zach? Uh,
1: Tom Zach, Wake Forest. Uh, is it is it Tom Zach or is it Zach Tom, pal? I believe it's Zach Tom. Zach Tom. I'm sorry. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, all right. Let's go to his bio. Uh, personal. Son of Vanessa and Michael Tom. Member of National Honor Honors. Son, oh, he just seems to be a good young man. Jesus. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, right. <laughs> these, are, these guys are boring. We need some details on this. All right. I came up with the watermelon mustard thing. Okay. I am assigning you to come up with a secondary part of the penalty related to a draft prospect. Okay. All right. I, the, like the, so, last year Ken had to wear the belly shirt in honor of Quinn Miners. I I like the guy that I I loved. Who we just had a, a bang up uh, uh, interview with was Cole Strange from Chattanooga. He you was, know he was he was he was on he was he was on my list. He's yes. he's awesome. I just don't like. He told us a lot of fun things about his eating habits, but there wasn't anything. I I just need you. Can you spend five minutes on this today? Sure. All right. And tw- and and you know use the Twitter machine later. And tell me what okay. the other part of the panel I'm letting I'm letting you have carte blanche, because you are the draft expert. You get to determine the other the other half of the penalty. You didn't have to sing last year, did you? I did. What did you sing?
2: I did a very poor poor job of uh, bones. Uh, oh right, because the draft yeah.
1: was in. Oh, who's from Vegas? Imagine dragons are from Vegas. Maybe we do thunder. Maybe the loser. of This also has to thing sing thunder because that's an annoying song. That
0: used to be one of my walk up songs. Of course, days,
1: it man. was. It's so annoying. I mean,
0: like I one of the, your walk up The shame
1: songs? is like at the heart of it. There's a good song in there, but they wreck it by having the little baby voice. Thunder, 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 thunder. What is that? Couldn't
2: like, we just couldn't that? we just like name any song they do? It all sounds the same.
1: Um. I, I don't they tried to be a folk band when they first came out and then all of a sudden they were like, right. No, we're an E D M pop band. Yeah, it's very whatever. weird. It's a very weird bit from them. Um all right, we're gonna include an Imagine Dragons song. We're gonna do Thunder, we're gonna do watermelon and mustard, and you gotta come up with the third part of the penalty.
0: How about okay, you I, have to I, wash I, it down with something gross.
1: Yeah, I want it to be related to the draft. I want it to be related to a draft prospect. That's what I want. So Ken's gonna be on that. And then what time ta- okay. what time do you wanna do tomorrow?
2: What's tomorrow? Thursday. Thursday. Um, uh, let's do. Let's do. Um, Earlier, better. Or, or, of course, it is. Yeah, just, Let's do. Is 10:30 early
1: 1030, enough? 10:30. 10:30 tomorrow. Our annual draft. Draft. We're drafting the players that could be selected by the Baltimore Ravens this weekend. At any point during the draft. That's the concept. Whoever has the fewest. We'll pay what, a penalty. How many? But
2: wait, wait, let's say is it 20 or 30 players we each get to pick.
1: Because <sighs> we,
2: always, we always debate them.
1: Yeah, it, it kind of depends on how the morning goes. It kind of depends on what okay. else we have going on tomorrow. Okay, so, I know hey, – uh, I just want to know how deep into this I need to prepare for. You You need to prepare. You know who these guys are. You don't know what their names are, clearly, because you think there's somebody named Tom Zack. But you know, you know who they you are. You know,
2: we, we have established uh, way, that you are again. not my <laughs> strong
1: suit. Yeah, we do know that. Over, I years. know
2: who I'm talking about. You know who I'm talking yeah. about. You, i got the names right i just got them in the wrong order fairness, That's i gotta be for I mean, me. kind of being completely that,
1: honest i am less prepared for this year's draft than other drafts i like i'm <laughs> le- i am i don't know why i'm just less prepared this year than i have been i am not i do not my knowledge is not as deep as it is in typical years like i i, I i've got a little bit done beyond the first round but not a ton done beyond the first round so um, we'll see. That, but uh, I'm not part of your program either. So that's that's you and Joe and Paul tomorrow night for Project Game Day, the draft special. And then actually Ken and I are going to do a show on uh, Saturday as well. We'll do a uh, recap show at 4 o'clock on Saturday uh, as the draft is winding down. All right, pal. Um, come up with a penalty, and we'll do the draft draft tomorrow morning, all right? Okay. Thanks, buddy. Sounds good. It's Ken Zales checking in with us ahead of tomorrow's draft draft. Our number one of the show is in the books, also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4 available. In hybrid or gas-only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. We'll talk some draft next. Former Vikings GM Rick Spielman, he's going to be working the draft for Fox Sports Radio and CBS. He joins us next, Glenn Clark Radio. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike shashevsky that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas Answering Baltimore's calls for help. Running in when others run away. Working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore Police. But the department needs more good people. People like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org.
0: Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 11.40. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 11.40 a.m. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline.
1: Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number no. two sauce, and take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, glorydaysgrill.com to find out more great food, good sports. We can't imagine why you'd want to,
2: but you can watch GCR live. It's at facebook.com/slash/pressboxsports,
1: and try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. Hey, just filed this away. Rock Kabako mentioned this morning on Twitter that the Orioles, have, or not the Orioles, the Norfolk Tides, have scratched Kyle Bradish from his start. Blaine Knight is now scheduled to make the start, and as he points out, the Orioles need a starter for Saturday with Chris Ellis being on the injured list. So. You know, put two and two together, what do you have? We don't know that yet, but just interesting to file away that uh, it could be the path for Kyle Bradish to end up in the Bigs. In hour number two of the program, the NFL draft gets underway tomorrow night. Joining us now, a man who has been involved with quite a few NFL drafts, but this time he's doing it from the other side of things, the media side of things, as he's working for Fox Sports Radio and CBS this weekend. He is the former general manager of the Minnesota Vikings. He is Rick Spielman, and he's with us now here on GCR. Rick, it's Glenn and Paul in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, sir. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning.
5: No, thanks for having me on. It'll be uh, interesting, but I'm also very excited about to see this from the other end. And I know whatever I say, uh, I'm not going to get held accountable for a in the media
1: about I say. How you, okay, That'll hang on a different. second. You say that now, but it could be shared as a tweet forever. Like, this is, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, there are a lot of people who said a lot of things about Lamar Jackson that fateful night four years ago. And um, they have not been forgotten, despite the fact that they didn't work for NFL teams. <laughs> um, hey, Rick. Before I get into the draft, if I could, uh, you know, we Michael Pierce is a buddy of ours. He's one of the best humans that I've ever gotten to know with the Baltimore Ravens, and. You know, I know things didn't go exactly as planned after you guys signed Michael Pierce, but what are the Ravens getting back? How similar is Michael Pierce to the guy that we saw a couple years ago?
5: Not only Michael Pierce is a very good football player, and when he was healthy for us, he was pretty dominant in what we needed in that defensive front. And I think, I believe our first game against Cincinnati, he ended up with two sacks. Uh, He was a better pass rusher. Uh, than we anticipated I thought our defensive line coach uh, Andre Patterson did a great job and not only is he a good football player but he was even a better person off the field so you know unfortunately injuries catch up with some players at times but if he's healthy I think he's a very good football player that'll definitely help them up uh, the Baltimore Ravens on their D line next
1: year and yeah, we're excited to have him back because he really is just an incredible human being man one of my favorite people we've ever had here um uh, rick as far as the draft is concerned what do you think is maybe the storyline going into the first round that we're not talking about enough and and i know that almost seems impossible because we're talking about everything
5: (laughs) (laughs) what can you not be talking about in the first round i I think the most interesting thing um that uh i have been talking about and i'm doing a lot on tiktok right now so uh, if you want to some of the uh, things that I have said about these first-round players, but what Jacksonville does, uh, because they can go any different direction. There's not a blue chipper like a Trevor Lawrence or a quarterback that's a franchise-type quarterback, so it'll be interesting to see what direction they go, and I think with them, I believe I saw it this morning, uh, signing an extension with Cam Robinson, Mm -hmm. so I think that may sway them to go to the defensive side of the ball And the two best defensive players, in my opinion, are Hutchinson and a guy that has tremendous upside, but maybe not as polished as Hutchinson is Trayvon Walker. So I think it'll come down to one of those two players. And uh, I think with Trent Baalke's history and knowing Trent, uh, that he may go with uh, maybe the better overall athlete with the bigger
1: upside. By, by the way, Rick is very easy to find on TikTok because it's just Rick Spielman. There's no kind of funky handle there. And I, and I imagine if we had <laughs> well, asked you...
5: I, I, I never was on social media before. Well, that's what
1: I was going to say. If we <laughs> asked you three years ago what you'd be doing in 2022, you definitely thought doing draft videos on TikTok was exactly...
5: <laughs> I, I, I asked my kids to follow me on TikTok and they refused to because <laughs> they, <laughs> they said they don't do TikTok. And I said, well, what other things are out there? Like Instagram and Facebook and all this other
1: stuff. So I said, dad's going to do TikTok then. That's cool. It's Look, man, I am not, I have not gone into the TikTok world, but I am, I know you are ahead of me. I am the dinosaur in this conversation because it is where the world is at this point. Um,
5: it, 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 it's incredible where TikTok is right
1: now. Rick, I wanted to ask you about a couple of players that, that with the Ravens sitting at 14, that I think could be factors. And, and the biggest one to me, the, like the, the guy that I'm just in love with, I'm enamored with this player, in in the idea that he could truly be special, but it's at a position that we don't treat as a premium, and that's Jordan Davis, the defensive lineman from Georgia. I just look at him and say he's not like other human beings. We we Haloti Nata was one of the most massive human beings I've ever seen in my life. Jordan Davis is bigger than him, and, and our questions about him and the number of snaps he played, it's one of the most athletic combine performances we've ever seen. Um, why isn't Jordan Davis talked about more like a top 10 pick because of those things? And is, is it just a positional thing? Would you be okay using a 14th pick on a player like that?
5: I I think that's what everybody's talking about in their draft rooms right now. I mean, it was, I don't know if this is the right term, inhuman um, what he performed at the combine. There's no one that ever ran that fast at that size. I know we've had some great, size guys, Linville Joseph, yeah. Pat Williams, Kevin Williams, and those guys definitely do make a difference up front. Um, but I don't know, it's because the addition of Michael Pierce, uh, and I believe then they signed uh, Campbell back Yeah, as Calais well. Campbell, yep. So are they trying to see when you're looking at that draft board and how it's stacked, and the, the history on Davis is, and if you watch him, uh, he can be a massive human being versus the run, and there are a couple clips that I saw that he has such great range, so a guy of that size that can get outside and make plays outside the numbers, especially on some stretch stones and some sweeps and tosses, it, uh, and he's out there and, and making tackles. The biggest knock on him is the pass rush, and he wasn't a great pass rusher in college. He came out in nickel. I know the teams probably had talked to Georgia staff about why he was not in on pass rush situations, But if you look at their defensive line and their rotation, they're all NFL players. Yes. So they had and Trayvon Walker, by the way, when I broke him down, he had, I believe, six sacks. But all those sacks came when he was lined up inside over the guard Uh, and utilizing him in some some schemes, uh, some games, or just having him physically and athletically beat the guard that was in front of him. So I don't know why that rotation was. I think it'll come down to does a defensive line coach or a coaching staff believe that they can make him a better pass rusher and make him a three-down player? Because it's hard to take a guy, even though he is off the charts uh, size-wise, off the charts athletic-wise, can they make him a three-down player or not? And if he can't be, then that's hard to take the guy out of top ten that's only going to be a two-down lineman.
1: I get that. I completely get that. I boy, man, it's just hard to look at that and not think, "Give me that human being. Like, give me that monster of a human." Um, you mentioned the two guys at the top. Are there other? How many more? I guess because it's not you know the Ravens aren't going to have a shot at either of those two guys, Hutchinson or Walker. But how many more impact edge rushers are there on day one of the draft? How many more guys are there that like at 14 you could find yourself a true? step in on the field from week one of this season, impact edge rusher?
5: You know, I think that, in my opinion, Baltimore is going to look at potentially corner, but I don't think Stingley or uh, Sauce, Gardner Sauce Gardner will yeah. be there. Mm-hmm. I don't think McDuffie, although he's a very good football player, fits from a schematic standpoint, in my opinion. Uh, the two edge rushers that they may be looking at are Jermaine Johnson, who actually is an Eden Curry kid that grew up with my kids, and he's been in my living room times. Oh, wow. Times. Wow. So I know him inside and out, and George uh, Karloff from Purdue, because I know Baltimore has always relied on pass rush, and that's what made their defenses so great. And I know Bowser's coming off an Achilles. away. had a, you know, there's another freak athlete yep. that didn't have a lot of production in college, but they did a phenomenal job, and I think he's going to be one of the premier pass rushers, but I don't think they have a lot of depth behind that. And if you get injuries, you have to rush the passer in this league the way offenses have evolved. The other area I think it would be interesting is the offensive line. Mm -hmm. And do they look at that? Do they look at a Pennington? Uh, Do they look at a Linderbaum who, uh, you know, a lot of of people have talked about me maybe being one of the best center prospects that have come out in the draft in a while. So, but I think, you know, if Edge Rusher is there and they need depth there and Bowser coming off in the I think maybe they could lean to one of those two guys.
1: Could Is Linderbaum someone you can take with the, you? You know, you saw that somebody, I think the NFL's advanced stats people said he's one of their can't-miss prospects. I, can you take him with the 14th pick in the draft?
5: Uh, I think he'll come into the conversation. I think that you'll make that comparison into what he does. Do they see him as a day-one starter when he walks in the door? And, you know, does a Makari then can he move to one of the guard spots? Uh, you know, because when Bozeman left, I believe he got signed by the Carolina yep. Panthers. So you have to take care of that offensive line, too. And but also you got to look at the depth. What center is left behind Linderbaum? And I don't know if there's another center that's equal in ability that they think can come in and start right away uh, if they pass on a Linderbaum. So. But, again, it's the center position. Right. Uh, So I think you really have to hone in on the toughest positions to find, although I think it's a pretty deep class uh, in pass rushers. And with all those or five fourth-round picks and three or two third-round picks, they can potentially utilize those picks to move up and down in the draft very easily. And maybe they use some of those maybe go up and get one
1: of those corners um, just another minute or two here with rick spielman as he's getting ready for the nfl draft fox sports radio cbs and on tick tock rick spielman um, rick if i could the lamar jackson situation obviously is quite complicated here in baltimore we don't know what to make of it because it just feels like it should be understood you got a quarterback you got to pay him a bunch of money that's the way that it works um, what do you make of what's going on with Lamar Jackson maybe not wanting to do a deal right now, which it's just weird to me, a guy that wouldn't want more money to play the game of football. And do you fear, would, if you were the Ravens, would you have any fear at all about his long-term future in Baltimore?
5: No, I, I think it makes it a little bit more difficult because I still believe he doesn't have a representative or he doesn't have an agent. So you're dealing directly with a player. And you don't know, and I don't know personally, who that player is getting advice from, even though he doesn't have an official agent. So um, thats I think the last time I remember a player was Bobby Wagner, who didn't have an agent, but Seattle was able to figure out a deal. Uh, he's been very patient, Lamar has, and then you've seen all these contracts come in on these quarterbacks and where that money is going. So... Baltimore, if they truly believe he is their franchise guy and he is going to take them to the Super Bowl and be their guy for the next 10, you know, five, 10 years, God forbid he stays healthy or that he does stay healthy, uh, then they're going to have to figure out a way to get this deal, just get a deal done. But it is very difficult. Uh, when you're not dealing with an agent as well,
1: do you do you have any thought about whether or not the bub like the quarterback thing is nuts? I mean, it's insane and. I know the salary cap is going to go up again, but now the wide receiver contracts are ballooning. You, of course, know a thing or two about finding wide receivers, Rick. Um, <laughs> what do you, what do you make of the quarterbacks? Is can can this keep going the way that it's going? At some point, does this bubble have to burst simply because there's just not enough money to go around?
5: I, I think teams have to one, they want a franchise quarterback. And if you do land on one, a Mahomes, a Josh Allen, you can see what a difference it makes, especially when you get into playoff football. Um, Because, you know, Matthew Stafford's a perfect example. He was with Detroit, loved Detroit. Detroit loved him. But when he got with the first year he got with the Rams, uh, a change of scenery and maybe a more talented team than he was playing with in Detroit, he, he ended up winning the Super Bowl. So... Every team, especially the way the NFL has evolved over the last couple years, everybody's trying to find that franchise quarterback. And when you do find him, uh, it's hard to replace a guy like that. The question I have on Lamar, who I think is a phenomenal talent, is if I was in their shoes, I'm asking myself, because he's such a great athlete, and not only does he make plays with his arm, he is a legit threat with his feet, and defenses have to account for that. At some point, as he gets older, he's still going to be able to use his legs uh, to make the type of plays he's making now. And, you know, we had a, a great game in Baltimore last year. You know, mm-hmm. we ended up losing it in mm-hmm. overtime. But I know how difficult it is to defend a quarterback like Lamar Jackson and how difficult that would be to replace him. So it'll be interesting to see, but I can't imagine them not getting something done with him. And I can't imagine Lamar not wanting to get something done uh, before his contract expires because of the, uh, risk he's taken from an injury standpoint.
1: If I could, just the last one, Rick, there was a report from Mike Silver that teams are, like, balking at trading for Baker Mayfield almost because they want to penalize the Browns for the contract that they gave for Deshaun Watson. <laughs> um, it, that, can,
5: that, there's a lot of that, – that's uh, – I, I, I don't know if that's true or not. Right. That's, so that's,
1: that's, uh,
5: that, that's the media speculation.
1: So, so let me – if I could, do you feel like teams are going to try to fight the idea of more of these fully guaranteed contracts, or is the – is the toothpaste now out of the tube, and this is just what it is? There's nothing you can do. Now that somebody got one, that's going to be what all these other quarterbacks demand moving forward.
5: Well, I know that is what the agents are definitely going to want, and they're going to look at the Sean Watson deal, not only not questioning what he is on the field, but all the other things that have come with him and still given him that money and that type of contract. And from an agent perspective, if Sean Watson got ex-guaranteed, fully-guaranteed contract, and he had the off-field issues coming with him, and my guy is clean and my guy is one of the premier quarterbacks in the league. Why can't I get that as well? So it may be more difficult to sign especially that position without fully-guaranteed contracts, or close to fully guaranteed
1: contract. And I, I think that's the reality of the way the world works, right? Like, they got the leverage. It's just that, the, what do you do? You, you got to have a quarterback, yeah. don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
5: you can fight it all you want. Yeah. But it, in the end, you know, the, the market will kind of dictate what type of contracts that you have to end up doing to keep guys or to sign guys.
1: Rick Spielman, of course, on uh, TikTok. Rick Spielman, Fox Sports Radio and CBS this weekend. Rick, enjoy this side of the world um, I have no doubt that you'll be making fun of all of us dummies afterwards and saying, I, this is easy. This is You guys, this is simple. Appreciate you taking I don't
5: know if it's easy, but you can just get up there and, and give your opinion and see what
1: happens. No doubt. Appreciate you taking the time for us this morning. Enjoy the weekend. Thank you for doing We'd love to chat again.
5: Okay, thanks for having
1: me on. It was fun. Rick Spielman checking in with us, the former Vikings GM who's going to be part of draft coverage for FSR and CBS this weekend. Appreciate him taking the time for us. Yeah, that was uh, almost bizarre. If you didn't see that from Mike Silver last night. Uh, Mike Silver, who, of course, you know, uh, SI and then NFL Network for a long time. I believe he's now Bally Sports is who he's working for, if I remember correctly. Um, Mike Mike Silver sent out this tweet about, like, Baker Mayfield. It went this way. Baker Mayfield's $18.86 million salary for 2022 is fully guaranteed. The Browns want to trade him. Numerous teams have interest in Mayfield, but not in paying that guaranteed money. That alone, I, you know, I, I guess I hear you on that. But it's one year. If and when he's cut, they'll make a move to try to get him. One other thing to consider. The Browns gave Deshaun Watson a five-year, $230 million, fully guaranteed contract, by far the biggest ever. Other owners aren't thrilled said one front office exec from another team, quote, no owner is doing the Browns that favor and trading for Mayfield. They can pay him too, unquote. The joke that I made was on Twitter I said, um, letting letting Drew Locke or Gardner Minshew be your quarterback to own the libs, right? Like that's the 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 clever term. Like imagine having an S quarterback on your football team because you're trying to make a point to the Browns. And I'm not trying to suggest that Baker Mayfield is great, but he's definitely better than what a lot of teams have right now. Now, as was pointed out to me, hey, a lot of those teams might end up drafting quarterbacks. And that's true. They might. But nobody thinks very highly of this draft class of quarterbacks. So, if what you're saying is, well, I'd rather just draft... Sam Howell, Carson Strong, then then have Baker Mayfield cuz I want to make a point to the Browns. What you're saying is I value collusion over competition. It's not okay. You should be doing everything in your power to have the best football team on the field. Now, if your answer is, I just don't think Baker Mayfield is that much better than this particular quarterback, which I think I have a shot in in the draft, that's a different conversation. But incorporating, making a point to the Browns in your decision-making prospect process at quarterback is nuts. And if it was a team that I cared about, I'd be furious. I get it. It ain't great for the league that there's a fully guaranteed contract for Deshaun Watson. I understand that. But your responsibility is not to collusion. Your responsibility is to competition and to having the best football team on the field that you can have. It's bat S nuts that that would be a part of the decision. I got no problem with saying we don't really want one year of Baker Mayfield at $18 million and having to trade for him, right? Like, if the Browns want to release him, we'll think about it. If that's alone what you're saying that's fine but trying to give a middle finger to the browns and making your decisions on about what your team is going to look like because you want to give a middle finger to cleveland that's embarrassing that's embarrassing your job is to put the best team on the field and go compete not to get over on the team that you're mad at again it doesn't matter to us because we got a quarterback in baltimore but if i was in any of these cities where they don't have a quarterback new orleans or carolina or pittsburgh or seattle i'd be furious if that were the case i'd be furious that my team was more concerned about making some sort of statement than having a competitive team on the field it's wednesday every wednesday we welcome in our friend drew forester drewsmorningdish.com fairways and greens on 1057 the fan where he's done three shows and they haven't fired him yet which is I got to be honest with you. I lost the bet. Uh, you cost me money, Forrester. Well, I guess you didn't see the press release this morning. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. Both, uh, both of us are gone. Ah, well, that's not surprising. Hang on are keeping Rita, but yeah, you well, and I are gone. Hang on, that's actually what's going to happen. <laughs> it's. I didn't even get my first show until somebody else stole my co-host. By the way, she's doing Tuesdays with Coleman too.
4: Yeah, I heard that, and, I, and I'm. Uh, well yeah. yeah. Oh hey, Jerry, how are you?
1: Right, yeah. Um, good morning. Should... No, hey, hang on. hey, we say good morning, Jerry. That's good morning.
4: The... Hey Jerry, listen. Yeah. More Rita, less Jerry. I
1: think we all agree with that. <laughs> we all agree with
4: that. Um, oh, it's going well, you know, I mean, look, I'm talking golf, right?
1: Yeah, it's, it's the it's the one thing you can do. I get it, right. Correct. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, if they want to do off.
4: a show on Springsteen or golf, right. I'm, I'm in it. for those two things. Or,
1: or Jim Nance's underwear. I get it. Right. <laughs> I, but,
4: I, you know, I mean, look, I always say this because uh, people keep asking me, like, well, you know, like, they ask you, like, why don't you go back on the radio? And I'm like, right. because I... I, I Would I go back on the radio if I had? I can't even believe I'm going to say this. Would I go back on the radio if I had someone like you who did all the work and I just chimed in occasionally, (laughs) like you used to do to me? Sure, you know, sure. Yeah, like I just don't have an interest in doing it the way. I just don't have an interest in doing four hours of it. It's
1: so funny. It's so funny you say that, Drew, because like Reed and I doing three hours last week. We joked it's way more prep for one show than I had done for this show. (laughs) Believe it or not.
4: I don't think the industry, like I listen to, you know, I'm a, I listen to the golf channel series XM. It, right. It's never, it's never one person. Right. It's Correct. always two people. Correct. And like the, the whole idea of doing it by yourself, which is amazing. I mean, I know Paul helps out with you, but like just doing it by
1: yourself is it's a so lot. difficult. Yep. It's a lot. There's no doubt about it. It's a lot,
4: but, I, but, it, but I can do it for golf. Right. Golf, I can do. I yeah, can get on there and just talk about it playing some tournament I
1: in Mexico this weekend, and you probably know something about it. Like I,
4: well, I know that Abraham Answer went off at twenty-five to one. He's a, or goes off at twenty-five to one. And he's a great wager.
1: Sure, sure, he is. I I, I, I do know that. I believe you. All right. So actually, I do have. I I watched the Greg Norman thing, by the way. I watched oh. it. I the, I found myself walking away from it, saying I feel a bit conflicted between, and it's just because I haven't thought about Greg Mor- Norman in, in God knows how long.
4: I th- no, no one else has either.
1: Right. I feel conflicted between, was he a truly great golfer that underperformed, or was he someone who got more attention because he was good-looking and he was doing other things in media, and so it was inflated, his greatness as a golfer, because of it?
4: Well, here's the thing. Let me, let me say this. First of all, I haven't seen all of their 30-for-30s. By no means have mm-hmm. I seen them all. I've seen a lot of them. I always thought the Jimmy the Greek one to me was probably one of the best ones. Um, I I thought, and I, you know, it's recency bias, right? But I thought the Dunbar one was very good because I thought it 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 showed how you built a program at that little school in downtown Baltimore. It shows how you built it showed how you built a program off of kids that probably wouldn't have had that opportunity anywhere else but Dunbar, Mm -hmm. right? Um, but anyway, I, I, thought that one the other night was as good as they've ever done. I, I, and, yeah. And, and, and here's why I say that not cause it's golf. I say it because they were able to get him to comply with it, which was a, a, an absolute miracle. Um, and, and I thought the, in, the whole thing about Costas being involved was really, um, opening, and it, and It directly connects with your with your question you just prefaced. Mm-hmm. You know the whole thing about Costas seeing something in his grip mm-hmm. during the week, and and then learning that Norman had changed his grip, and then saying to Brian Hammond's from the Golf Channel, or maybe Hammond, but saying to the guy from the Golf Channel on Saturday night when Brian Hammond said to him, "Well, he's finally got his green jacket," right. and Costas said. Ah, I don't know about that. I got a weird feeling this thing might unravel on him tomorrow. And Brian Hammond's like, dude, he's got a six-shot lead. And Costas is like, I know. But his golf hasn't actually been that good. And his short game has been great, and his putting has been great. But I don't know that he can produce a good round under the gun with, with that grip. And Norman saw it on Saturday night, right? I'm telling you, you already saw the thing. But yep. Norman saw the newscast on Saturday night oh, was, um, where Brian Hammond said, yep. longtime golf instructor Peter Costas is one of the few people that doesn't think Norman is a cinch to win tomorrow. And Norman saw that, called CBS the next day, yep. lit into Frank Turkinian, MS'd them all over the place about Costas.
1: And lost, and, and then regripped for a minute and a half Cor- on every. I, like by the and way, that's lost. the part of it I did not. I did not remember right. that. I did not and, remember it was pain. It was like watching somebody melt down. No doubt. It, and so that 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 incident, if you want to call it an incident, but that part
4: of the show, and and I'm not trying to segregate like people who really know golfers versus people who don't, but like that part of the show for golfers was absolutely, it, it was just incredibly captivating because anyone who's ever played, who has done that, who has been leading an event or even if it's your club championship, anyone who has melted down like that can identify with it. You can't do anything about it. It, it, it's happening. And he even said, they said, "When did you know? You, when did you know you were going to lose?" He said, "As soon as I didn't hit the green at the ninth I, I knew I was in trouble." Right, right. Like so. Anyway, I think the, the the answer to your question is a little bit of everything. He was a he was an, a, a, a he was a, clearly a good-looking guy from Australia who um, was new in this country. You know, was new to the golf scene. Um, nowadays, everyone hits the ball far, but back then distance off the tee was not a big deal. You know, people just hit it 270 back then and everybody competed. But he was the first guy to really be a, a, a prodigious driver well, was, of the golf ball. He was
1: balls. yoked. He was a specimen. Like... Right.
4: So he got, he, I would say, I would still say that in his heyday, He's the greatest driver of the golf ball that we've ever seen. I know McElroy's data might say that it's that Roy's a better driver of the ball that but nor you could definitely make the argument that if you ask any longtime, you know, well known instructor, hey, who's the greatest driver of the golf ball ever? I think a lot of people would say Norman. So what happened to him, and this is you know, they you are what your record says you are, right? He could not close. He just wasn't a closer. Right. Like they, it, you can call that whatever you want. I know there's a another word that CNN starts with C H and. Mm-hmm. You, but yeah. he just was not a closer, and and he's the exact opposite of Tiger, who his entire career all he ever did was step on your throat.
1: Right. Correct. I, I, what and Norman I, didn't do that. What I couldn't figure out is is he really a disappointment for having not won more than two major championships, or? on the total if you separate the fact that he had those leads, was his talent level about the right thing to say, yeah, he that's the guy that should have won about two major championships no, in his career. He he should've he shoulda coulda won eight. Like but, but, he, but is that because he had the leads in them or because of the talent alone? I'm saying if you if you don't know that he had so many opportunities to win and right. you only and he was look a great in, player. Okay he right. he He was a great player, okay. I mean, look, there are two different things right
4: He's created I would challenge anyone and and I may be wrong on this and because I'm not thinking it through he He's created one of the great sports one of the great athletic brands yep. ever yep right mm-hmm. I mean, he created an apparel brand out of a out of a nickname yep and um, so if you said to him, Hey, Greg, how's your career go? He would say, I don't know how you think this boat feels.
1: And, and right? that's like, by the way, that I, it almost, you know, in it, it was off putting how much he was like, yeah, I don't really give it an S Like he right. really, it right. did not seem to affect him at all talking about any right. of this stuff. Right. And I sensed so, it was entirely I, because I I'm rich. <laughs>
4: right. And I, he definitely has that. He, he, he has that. Like there's no doubt that when push comes to shove and someone says to him, uh, makes fun—you know, Ian Poulter's like this, and Ian Poulter gets in a Twitter fight with somebody every month when they ridicule him about his career and never having won a major, right. and you know what Poulter says? Yeah. What did your chef serve you tonight? Correct, correct. Like, that's what he—he he literally correct. goes on Twitter and takes pictures of his chef cooking food for him or his boat or his plane or his or his cars and says— yeah, I know. I stink at golf. Hey, how's how's your garage wall?
1: Right. And, and by the way, this also in a w- weird way to me explains a little bit more why he just doesn't give an F about what your opinion is of the Saudi thing. Like, he just Right, correct. He's rich. No he, doubt. He does not and and explains a lot of people that have a, an amount of cognitive dissonance towards morality things along those I don't care about what you think. I'm right. very wealthy. I believe they call so that F1. Yes. So much of the
4: Saudi thing and the two, obviously, the two biggest principles right now that are in the news are, are Mickelson and Norman. Right. So much of this isn't about the Saudis; it's about those guys fighting with the PGA Tour. That th- this really could be the Japanese, right? They'd still be doing
1: it if the money was if, right. Like that. The, no, no, no. Right. They're, they're not. Just they're not doing, you're just saying they're doing out of principle. I think. I think the problem is it comes. They want you to believe that it's about the pr- Mickelson in particular. Once you to believe it's about the principle of fighting with the PGA Tour we like, if, if, the other, if the other person, if you say it's the Japanese, and what they're offering you is a tenth of what it is that the Saudis are offering, he's not well, fighting for re- it. Correct. Oh, yeah. He's right, not really right, right, fighting right. for the principle. He's
4: fighting for the money. Right. Well, Mickelson, Mickelson 1 million percent is, it's at the root of it all, it is money. Yeah. At the root of it. And then at the, at the sub-root of Mickelson is, everything Mickelson tri- has been trying to do for four years since the creation of that stupid thing in Vegas, all he's ever wanted to do is try to somehow, somehow one-up Tiger. And and Tiger couldn't care less. Right. <laughs> but yeah. Phil does. Yeah. Because Phil knows. Well, he's, 82
1: versus 45. Right. He's never, he's never exactly six. right. So wh- how else can I get over on the guy? Because it's right. not going to be put the, golf. Phil
4: put his logo on the back of his shirt with him jumping up in the air because Nike gave Tiger his own brand and right. the logo. Like, everything Phil does is to somehow say, well, yeah, Tiger's great, but what about what about me?
1: Right, right, 100%. Tiger's better
0: right. than you, yeah, too. I mean, that's the reality. But, you know, and,
1: and, for, for what it's and, worth, I do I, – I'm not going to lie. I, do you not think there's some part of Tiger that is inspired by seeing Phil break the record for the oldest guy to win a slam and and wants to do that? Like, I, I – that, to me, as much as we say Tiger doesn't care, I think that's something that is going to dr- – that here's this thing that exists – that he does have one over on everybody else. Right. And, you know, now that I'm in this phase of my life, i kind of like to get that back over him. But I don't
4: think Tiger... Ty- you might be worried, but I don't think Tiger will be playing golf in five years.
1: Okay. That's interesting. Yeah.
4: That's interesting. I don't think Tiger... Tiger's not... Why not? Well, I not say no. that. Like, yeah, wait, wait, I, to do what else? Because, well, because I don't think he's going to be playing because physically I don't he think He just can't.
1: All right, that's a different yeah, kind of yeah. yeah I'm not just saying can't. he'll lose interest. I'm right. saying
4: that I don't think, I mean, say what you will about Phil. The one thing about Phil is Phil is a, is, a, is an in-shape 52-year-old guy.
1: Right, right That's
4: one you. thing about Phil. I hear you. Phil's hit yeah, the ball be- further than he yeah, ever be- hit it before. Yeah, better, way
1: better shape now than he was at the beginning of his career. <laughs> sure,
4: sure, 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 sure. So right. Tiger, I just don't think Tiger physically will be playing. Like, Tiger's never going to play the Champions Tour. There's no interest in him. And even Phil hasn't played much on it.
1: And when he, Phil when has he played, won the one
4: event. He's won event. by yeah. six shots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I think he's played in seven or eight events, and he's won four of them, or yeah. six and won three. Like I, I hear Phil you. would Phil would clean up in that thing. I hear. You. But I thought the Norman. I really, I thought it was spectacular. I and the fact that they that they somehow coerced him into being involved in it, and and getting feedback from him. I couldn't believe it, like, because I definitely thought the very beginning would say, yes, Ben reached out to Greg Norman, and Greg refused to be involved. Like, they got him to go to the golf course. I mean, it was incredible. But the Costas thing was the, the Peter Costas thing was the most interesting element of it all, and that Greg Norman watched TV, saw an instructor say something about a swing flaw, and believed it.
1: Um I mean it well, it, it, it is, was it is wild. Six it, shot. it is wild. All right, I we've done way too much. I can I've let you get away way too much golf talk this morning. Drew Forrester you brought it just, up. I know. I can't believe I did that. Um all right, so I'm going to tell you something. Uh you are I think more worked up about the Adam Jones thing than I am even. Um Okay. I'm not as So I you know, I a disgrace. So I and that's the this is the way I I hear what you're saying. I think it's, I think it's something they can fix really easily, and I don't. I'll, I'll lay it all out. If you didn't see on Twitter yesterday, I did in my follow-up reporting and being fair. I can confirm that the Orioles have not only reached out to Adam Jones; they have invited him to their 30th anniversary celebration. And I don't, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with all that. Adam hasn't said anything about that. That's up to him. Um, but. But they have, um, and and what my gut was on Sunday night that that uniquely that part of it, the 30th anniversary, not the bigger issue, but the 30th anniversary, that it was more likely that that was a mistake than it was an aggression, was I, I have I have backed that up with reporting. It was a mistake, um, and I I don't want to say too much about it, but I know it, and I know that it happened very quickly. And that they went out of their way to clarify they were always going to invite him. That being said, the secondary part of it, which I always thought was the more, the more important part of the conversation, is the one where Adam Jones feels disconnected from the Orioles. And I don't really care about the 30th anniversary thing. Like, I, that doesn't really matter all that much to me. Letting Adam Jones feel disconnected from the Orioles is a problem. Like that, That's not okay. Well, I couldn't say, care
4: less about the, the stadium right, thing.
1: Right. Where you yeah, say... I, I
4: couldn't. You could move that stadium up to Timonium tomorrow. I couldn't care less. Well, I stadium, mean, I probably,
1: I probably care I, about that. Uh,
4: I <laughs> couldn't care less. But what I do care is that you brought this guy in in 2008. Right. The franchise was in shambles. Yep. It was an embarrassment. You brought this kid in from Seattle. You shoved him out there into center field. You let him stay out there for three years while you lost 100 games a year. You looked. It was amateur hour. And you, you, this kid, with other people, obviously, but this kid was there for the, for the return, not the borrow Jim Nance phrase, for the return to glory, albeit brief, five yep. years. Yep. He was there, a central figure who lived and breathed and died Baltimore. Yep, He wasn't some Johnny-come-lately dude who, like Jay Gibbons, who flew out the Marina Del Rey every off season. Yep. This guy while he was in Baltimore, lived, breathed and died Baltimore. You you It was a joke what they did to him at the end and didn't recognize him on the last game of the year and the players had to shove him out there to center field so the crowd could stand up and cheer for him. Yep. Even though those creeps knew they weren't going to bring him back and the way that they have handled him in in you know after his career, after his Baltimore career, the way they've handled him is the Bushest League of Bush League. It's unreal
1: for what he did for the franchise. So this is not J.J. Hardy, right? So, so this is where I that that's the problem. I again, the anniversary thing to me was that that's a I don't that I-, I couldn't care less the, about. The that. problem is that there you that there's a disconnect between Adam Jones and the Baltimore Orioles. That's not okay. Like that's not okay. No matter what, he should no be the next what, manager of the team. Well, I mean, if if he wanted to be, you know what I mean. <laughs> like I don't, I'm, I'm serious. Right. Like this is. You know, and go back over time and look at this, like, and I... I I still don't know that we want... That
4: that they... No, forget the manager thing, but that they... That they've
1: done, ostensibly done the same thing with Cal is a joke. So, so here's what I'll say. I, I, I think the reason why I'm not as losing my mind about it is because I actually genuinely believe this is not difficult to fix. It just hasn't been fixed yet. Because I think the inherent part of this problem was between Adam Jones and Dan Duquette, and Dan Duquette's not in Baltimore any longer, so this shouldn't be difficult for them to figure out. But they got to do it, and that's what I just keep saying: like, I just go do it. Just go. And I don't know, because some of that is on Adam too, because Adam clearly is. It's very clear he's bothered by it, right? It's abundantly clear. So it might not be. be. it, It might. I don't. I don't blame him. I'm. I'm with you. And even he, like, when I. When I. Said yesterday that you know the Orioles have invited him. Even he alluded, well, you know, the only reason why they invited me is because of the public pressure, right? Like that was what. I, he,
4: by the way, that's true too. I, I don't believe that. If you want to get, if you want to get the wool pulled over your eyes by them, knock yourself out.
1: I disagree. But, I disagree. It, no, I'm telling it, no. you, knowing what I know, I don't believe that, and I, I yeah, can't share I all of that on that. But I don't I, believe anything they say. I, well, if they I think, said the sky's blue, I'd look out the window. Here's, a, I think we're thinking that their 30th Come anniversary. On, stop for a second. Because this, again, goes back to the anniversary thing, which I'm telling you, it's not that big of a deal. But I think people believe they're just inviting every player from these 30 years back to Camden Yards. What they're doing is much more specific than that. And they're not just inviting all of the... So like yesterday, like, Bordick was on somewhere and was like, well, I haven't gotten an invitation either. I don't know that Bordick's gonna get an invitation to this specific thing that they're doing. And I think there's room to have debate about what they should be doing to celebrate the anniversary, but now that I know more details of what it is that they are doing, I don't, bu- I, I'm gonna tell you, I'm, this is not me drinking Kool-Aid, it's that I think there is a very specific reason why it just hadn't happened yet, but it was going to happen. But it's different, as I keep saying, from the bigger picture problem, which is related to there being a disconnect between Adam Jones and the Orioles. And that, I think, can be solved because Dan Duquette's not here any longer. But it requires someone being the one to solve it.
4: it well, re- they should solve it. They're, and, lo- they're very yes. lucky that we're not doing four hours of radio anymore. Because We
1: you, we got a week out of the, the football team. Yeah, pool, yeah, the Steelers. yeah, yeah the, the North was High School. This. I hear you. Th- this, this requires somebody just stepping up and saying, I'm going to be the... I don't care about any of this other stuff. Whatever's going... This has nothing to do with Mike Elias in any way. But it might require Mike Elias to be the one to step up and say, Look, man, I don't know what happened here, but I need you to know that I respect the hell out of you. And I want you to be a part of this thing, even though it has nothing to do with me. In the same way that this happens at colleges all the time, how many times have you seen... A new coach come in, there's a rift between that coach and a former player. That player doesn't show up, and the next guy's gotta show up and say, hey man, I don't know what happened. Ralph Freedan at Maryland, right? Ralph Freegen was persona non grata with the University of Maryland, which is insane because it's the only thing that ever mattered in Maryland football for 30 right, years. Right, no doubt. Right? It was nuts. And, and for all of the awful things that DJ Durkin did, and I'm not trying to give a pass to DJ Durkin, but one of the things he did was step in and say, I don't know what the hell happened here. And it's got nothing to do with me, but I'll be the one to fix it. Because Ralph Regan should be a part of this program. I don't know what the hell this is. I have no clue what went on between all of you people and why it is that he's not welcome here. But we're changing that. He's going to be welcome Well, it's here.
4: funny, right? Because the Blast have had this exact same thing with Scott Manning. And I... I lost my right to vote on the Hall of Fame. Oh right, I wrote, yeah, I That's wrote right. in one year, right. and I wrote a note at the bottom of my ballot. And uh, whatever Amy, whatever her name was, called me, and she goes, "Yeah, that didn't really go over that well." I wrote a thing at the bottom, and I said, "If you don't have Scott Manning in your Hall of Blast Hall of Fame, you should close it down."
1: Right. I, right? I remember. I remember you talking about this,
4: I, I, and and you know, and they said, "No problem, you won't vote anymore." Right. So I don't vote anymore. But I, if Scott Manning isn't in the Blast Hall of Fame, and there, there, you know, there's there are things that happened in the past. Yeah. Scott Manning is the best goalkeeper, in the, with all due respect to William Van Zella, Scott Manning is the best goalkeeper in the history of the Blast and it's secretary at the Belmont. It ain't even close. <laughs> and if he's not in the <laughs> Hall of Fame, it's tarnished.
1: I, I hear you. But that's, and it, so someone over there, yes. someone, has to figure out how do we get him yeah, in the Hall of Fame. How do thing. we fix this? How do we fix this? And that's right. that's what this is with Adam Jones now to me. Somebody's going to have to fix it. Whoever it is. Has just to step up and say, "I don't, I don't know the history. I don't know what happened in 2018, and I had nothing to do with it. I don't care. I'm gonna be the one to fix it. And Brandon Hyde can be that guy. Somebody needs to do it. Mike Elias can be that guy. John Angel. I don't care who it is. I don't care who does it. Somebody's got to step up and say, whatever the hell happened here, I'm fixing it. Period. Right. That's the way it's got to go. Plain and simple to me, because that's ultimately, and that's why I think it can get fixed. Because I don't." Every ounce that I've talked to with everybody, all of the parties involved, I have no reason to sense that there is some issue between Adam Jones and Michael Elias, between Adam Jones and John Angelos. The issue appeared to be between Adam Jones and Dan Duquette very specifically. Dan Duquette's gone. Let's fix this. What are we doing? Agree.
4: Fix or it. we're going to do a
1: walkout. <laughs> I mean, people would... Sure, there's a, all right, never mind. We're gonna, quickly, let's <laughs> oh, do... Never yeah, mind, that's done yeah, already. Yeah, let's do Would You Rather Wednesday. Would You Rather Wednesday is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Uh Glory Days Grill's got the seasonal menu By the way, available. Do you remember
4: when we did that? The entire state the all the players on the field stopped. The game stopped.
1: So so you don't remember I I was not there for the first one because oh, you I weren't. was still okay. I was still in Arizona for the first the one. The game stopped. The players yeah. stopped. The game stopped. Yeah. And the the players
4: came out the Tigers came out of the dugout Right. and looked up to see us on the middle of the concourse leaving.
1: Right. Right.
4: I remember, I, I I mean It was incredible.
1: I certainly remember the The aftermath of it. Yeah.
4: Well, the aftermath didn't go so well. Not so great. Not
1: so great. (laughs) All right. All right. Would you rather Wednesday? It's brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Glory Days Grill's got the uh, spring seasonal menu available right now. The opener, the flash fried pork belly with the Korean number two sauce, the Cracker Jack Sunday. You need uh, some accompaniment for your draft weekend. The uh, ribs and wings at Glory Days Grill, I would highly recommend. GloryDaysGrill.com to get your order in. Number one, all. The wings and
4: everything are better than Jordan Davis.
1: Uh, I don't know about that. Jordan Davis is really good. All right. So, this. This is a draft-themed Would You Rather Wednesday. One, Number one, all of the top defensive players are gone in the first 13 picks. All the defensive okay. players you want. Right. And uh, Charles Cross is gone, too. So would you okay. rather the Ravens take an O-lineman, either Trevor Penning or Tyler Linderbaum, or one of the top wide receivers that happens to have fallen, like a Drake London or a Garrett Wilson?
4: Um, well, you know what I'm going to say.
1: You're going to say get an offensive lineman.
4: No, I'm going to say oh, get a wide okay. receiver. All right. All right. Get a wide receiver so that when whoever's the quarterback next year, or two years from now, can throw it to him. Um, I, I would say wide receiver.
1: I, by the way, I agree. But it's uniquely for me. It's because I like those wide receivers. I just, I think the wide. Receiver, you could
4: get anybody to snap the ball to the better. Yeah, Hell, I, Mike Flynn did. I, I Mike Flynn did it. I, Mike um, Flynn was a good player. I, he was a I, I would say wide receiver.
1: All right. Uh, quickly, you've won a radio call prize today. Congratulations. It's yes. not It's not quite as good as a Glory Days Grill gift certificate, but would you rather you get a last-minute trip to go watch the draft live in Vegas with food and room included, or you get Ooh. to spend the weekend inside the Ravens draft room? By the oh. way, for those that have asked quickly, no, you do not get to say anything. You have to be silent the entire time. You're just there to watch, which, uh, yeah, Drew, you're used to that. Um, yeah right and you, you their food will still be provided for you you can't tweet you can't share anything ever like you're signing a thing that says you will never talk about what it is that you saw in that room
4: what if what if when they made a pick you went that guy really yeah,
1: yeah that would get you kicked out you would no longer be allowed in the room at that
4: point I'm still going to take that I still Just would to like to be in the room to see how it unfolds
1: o- overwhelmingly that's the answer overwhelmingly that's been the
4: yeah. answer yeah uh, you know I mean yeah. if it was New York City and I could hop on the train and go up there yeah I might consider that all right, and number three, I don't feel like flying out to Vegas to watch this
1: whole thing. Number three, would you rather uh, the Ravens uh, use one of their many fourth-round picks to draft punt God Matt Areza or Matt Areza from San Diego State, who can boom the ball like ninety yards, or no? Sam Cook might not be as good as he was, but he can still do it. Don't use that type of pick on a punter.
4: Um, I would always, you know, I love Sam Cook. I think Sam Cook's one of the most unsung players in of of his. Whatever his career has spanned, 18, 17 years, 16 years, whatever it is. How long Sam cook has been here? He's been one of the most unsung players. I'll say that. I would take the punter. Okay. All right. Special All right. teams, man. Uh, right. I don't know if you know, the kicker here is pretty good.
1: Yeah, I've heard. I've heard a rumor. I've heard that. All kicker, right. punter, very underrated. Take the punter. You want to plug anything? Fairways and greens? Drew's Morning Days? Fairways dish. and greens? Yeah, yeah. We got uh, Jason Sobel coming up this weekend from... Uh, used to be with
4: ESPN. Now he's with um, Action Network, SiriusXM. Right? Or... Yeah, SiriusXM and the Action Network. Yep. We'll talk a little golf and golf gambling with him. Um, my my friend Ryan French, who runs what I think is the best social golf social media account in the country, which is called uh, Monday Q Info. It's a, a Twitter account based, so essentially, based on all the Monday qualifiers that go on all over the country and these obscure one day events where players get into tournaments and kind of change their life. So okay. um, I got him. We're going to, uh, and we're starting this little process called Baltimore's Toughest 18. So we're into the private sector, and we're trying to identify. I'm trying to come up with an 18-hole golf course based on the hole number, meaning like Baltimore Country Club number one is very difficult. It would be our first hole. I'm trying to create an 18-hole course that I don't think anyone could par.
1: Okay, very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. All right, well, please don't chase so we, off our list. We're, we're going to
4: tackle that. We're going to tackle, uh, we'll tackle, you know, 10 or 11 local private courses right. this first week coming up.
1: All right, very good.
4: Hey, uh, real quick, I do want to say something because I am plugging something real quick. I never do. Yeah. Um, I am hosting a clinic tonight at oh. Pine Ridge Driving Range. Oh. Um, 6 to 7.30. It's in conjunction with the Maryland Fellowship of Christian Athletes. My assistant coach, Brian Hubbard's coming out and Lorenzo Sanz, who is our... Number one kid at Calvert Hall is coming out. It's free. It's open to the public. Cool. It'll be at 6 o'clock at the driving range. You can come out. Doesn't matter what your skill level is. You can bring your son, your daughter. Just bring golf clubs. And it's all on us. And we're going to do a clinic for an hour and 15 minutes and have a little FCA discussion afterwards. And we'd love for everyone to come out.
1: Very cool. That's at Pine Ridge, you said? Pine Ridge driving range tonight. Excellent. Excellent. All right, Drew Forrester. Appreciate you, pal. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. All right. Forester Drews com at it's a hooded four iron on Twitter. Um we'll just push the break again. We'll just we we'll, we only have one more. Thankfully we got two in the first hour. I can't get away with this on 1057 the fan. I can't. I gotta I gotta wrap up in eight minutes or whatever it is in order to get to the next break. Here uh, we can just keep pushing forever. We can always push the breaks. Um, today's show is also brought to you, but we do want to take care of our wonderful uh, sponsors and partners. Today's show is also brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Again, tomorrow night we're hanging out in the FanDuel Sportsbook for the first round of the draft. It's myself, the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard. We will be with you, giving you some advice. We got great giveaways during the night from the folks at Great Eights Memorabilia. Appreciate them hooking us up. Gonna be a wonderful time hanging out trying to win some money in the FanDuel Sportsbook tomorrow night for the NFL Draft. So that's my plans for tomorrow night. My plans on Friday night, of course, I will be emceeing Project Runway at Pier 6. I am very excited about it. Uh, Show Your Soft Side is a group that I have cared about for a long time. My wife and I are very involved with them, and I know that whatever our involvement has been, it has paled in comparison to what this next man's involvement has been with that group over the years. He has done wonders with our downtown arena. I am looking forward to chatting with him about uh, the future of that. He is, of course, the general manager of the Baltimore Arena. And he is our friend, Mr. Frank Remish and he's with us now here on GCR. Frank, it's Glenn and Paul. It's great to chat with you, sir. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. No, thanks for having me, uh, having me on. Frank, I know how important you are to the animal community, and I've, I have heard stories about you that I don't think everybody knows about, the, the distance that you have gone to take care of the folks at Barks and the animals in this community why is this something that you have cared about so passionately and been so involved with over the years?
6: You know, I guess it's just how I was raised. And, uh, and also I have this um, desire to uh, help the underdog <laughs> and mm. not a play on words either. Mm. Um, Barks is just that organization um, that was, uh, you know, just a scrappy little fighter trying to uh, make ends meet. And uh, I think they really needed some help. Uh, so a bunch of us got together and we do what we can. Um, and Sandy's approach with SoftSize, Sandy's just a, a brilliant marketer. Yep. Um, and this whole process, and what, what I love about it too, is literally 100% of the proceeds go directly to the charities, um, which is just phenomenal, especially
1: nowadays. Ah, it's That's unbelievable. It's almost unheard of, right? <laughs> this industry at yeah, this we, point. Um,
6: the last time uh we had it, of course COVID shut it down like everything yep. else. Yep. Uh it would have been the eighth uh annual at the arena. And the prior year to COVID we netted over two hundred thousand dollars, which is just absolutely
1: incredible when you think about that's it. That's unreal. And that's on top of all the animals getting adopted, right? Like that's all on... fifty. <laughs> yep. I mean it's it's unreal and i know this year it's a pier six with the arena being closed i I, you know whatever the future is going to be it's a conversation for another day um that we'll be able to have but we're excited about it being back you are you know i look at you and i see tough guy in you it's funny you're a lot like john rollo in that way right like i just see tough guy (laughs) but you really inherently you are truly a softy
6: oh yeah absolutely um yeah we uh We've rescued English Mastiffs uh, probably for the, the last 20 years. At one time, I had seven of them in my house. So uh, it's just a, a labor of love, right? Uh, I don't know if I'm a tough guy like Rallo. I think he's I mean, a a little he's, bit. He's unique, I, I guess. I him and... a couple of times
1: and... Have lost in seconds. Ah, <laughs> so. say, how did that go? Oh my God! Yeah. Wait, wait a second. Is that, is that true, though? Did you really attempt to wrestle John Rollo?
6: Oh sure, sure. Oh absolutely. my. Well, you know, I was a student, so I kind of do what he okay. said. Okay. All
1: <laughs> right. All right. Boy, God. Matter a second. I feel like if he uh, if he said that to me, I'd say, you know what, man, I'm going to go ahead and give you this one. <laughs> I'm just going to go <laughs> and say. Out before hey, Right. Hey, this one's on you. Um, is there danger? Like I, Frank. I I've talked all week with everybody about how how much danger there is in my household um, that we are going to end up having another animal come Saturday morning, that there will be another dog that my wife will look at me and say, look at this guy, and I'm going to say, you're right, there's nothing I can do about it. Is there similar danger that there will be another animal in your household come Saturday morning?
6: Oh, it's horrible. I mean, it's great and horrible, right? And I got to throttle myself back. Knowing that uh, you know to keep room for animals that aren't necessarily out on the runway just now. I mean, what's what's remarkable about this event? Um, I mean, 50 animals are gone that night. Boom, done, and that's just amazing. Like you, you brought up a great point. The money's one thing. Uh, helping the animals is what it's all about. So to to get them in homes right away is the best uh, uh, best thing that can be done because you're freeing the uh, space up. Uh, for more animals to come in and, and barks handles, uh, upwards of 10,000 animals a year. Uh, again, astronomical num- numbers. Uh, I don't think people even understand that, uh, more than probably all the other counties touching the city combined. Um, I'm probably making that up a little bit, but you can I, mean,
1: I know. I know. Uh, right. No, it's, 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 it's powerful. It's, it's truly powerful what it is they're doing, Frank. Frank, can I ask, as I heard this story about you, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's known by everybody. Was there a time where you literally like housed all of the animals at Barks in the arena because of a disaster that no, came through? Know,
6: people make a big deal about that. That's an easy thing for us. You know, the, the arena was huge. Um, we, uh, we, it was during a hurricane. We got a call, um, they, we happen to not have any events we have this nice big uh garage in our back that we're used to having ringling brothers stay in so there's water there's bathrooms you know electricity backup generators um big doors that we call elephant doors obviously they could all come in with their trucks and uh we let them uh move in till the uh till the storm was over yeah. and uh we did what we could do
1: that's frank that's awesome man that is really that nah, is nothing stop that that's really nothing. that's powerful bro. That the easiest thing i've done that is really powerful man uh frank ramish is with us of course gm in the baltimore arena project runway is friday night and there are still some tickets available there's i guess let me plug two things there's both a couple of tickets available still but more importantly than that i would even say is the silent auction and there are so many incredible items i keep trying to highlight because it's insane to me nick boyle is going to come walk your dog the man is a star tight end in the National Football League, and he is offered to come walk your dog for you. That is once-in-a-lifetime type of opportunity that you have to bid on that. So get your tickets for Project Runway Friday night and bid on the auction items right now by going to projectrunway.org. And we will link that up as well on Twitter, at Glen Clark Radio, projectrunway.org. And you can find the auction there. And speaking of things I'm worried about, I'm worried about how much I'm going to spend on the auction on Friday night as well. Um, Frank since I have you obviously we know there's a lot going on with the Baltimore Arena Um, I don't know what you I I think people have seen a lot of the images of what's coming Uh, how excited you you talk about the underdog as I've said a million times what you guys have done with that building is it's a it's worthy of a book Um, what you guys have managed to do in getting major major events despite what we knew were some of the, the the drawbacks of the building over the years what is this going to mean for the city? What is this actually going to look like? Is it going to change the scale of the types of events that we're going to be able to see here in Baltimore in the coming years?
6: Yeah, this isn't lipstick and mascara. This is a over a $200 million remodel. Um, this is all new concession stands. Uh, um I think it's upwards of, you know, there's still, you know, it's funny, they're still working it through some of the uh, fine details, but probably 30 to 40 suites. Uh, the stage will be removed. The flanking walls, uh, the walls on both sides of the stage will be removed. So the sight lines are better. All the seats, um, first and second level being uh, uh, removed. Uh, the, the whole fan experience will be phenomenal acoustically. Uh, they're changing things to make it better. Uh, again, sight lines will be phenomenal. And what this has done, and I appreciate I'm humbled by what you said, what this has done, this will allow us to go toe-to-toe. We, we are, believe it or not, Baltimore is a primary city, um, just because of the amount of people we can draw from in the surrounding area. Sure. Uh, now we'll have a primary building. Uh, and this is a building we'll be able to compete against D.C. and Philly um, and all the other uh, primary buildings throughout the nation. Now, you know, most um, most legs of concerts are about 30, uh, 30 cities. Uh, we were right on the cusp before because of the building. Now we'll be right in the middle of that. Uh, uh, so Oakview, who put the money in um, and will partner with Live Nation uh, to help book the building, you, you'll, you will get shows – well, we did and again i loved what i did i'm proud of what we've done uh but now you're talking 50 to 60 concerts a year versus wow. 15 to 20 before wow uh and then they have to somebody's got to pay that nut off right so um they're putting their money where their mouth is uh and we are come out swinging this is this is going to be i'm so excited I'm, I'm 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 sad in a way right because they're they're dismantling something that I've been part of for sure. 30-some years. Sure. But, <laughs> but you know, it's like getting rid of your old car. You're sentimental about it, right? Yeah, but you know but you're, you're about to get, get a... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Glenn. This is going to be great for Baltimore. And then what you'll see is, if, if those of you remember the, the spur in Chinatown when the MCI Center was built, you, you will see a spur uh, of buildings going around the arena, uh, restaurants... Uh, the hotels, uh, parking, um, just any kind of shop, uh, it, it'll just be a, a resurgence of that area.
1: Frank, can I ask, you know, you bring up the number of concerts, and again, my, my God, how they could get bigger, you had Prince, you had, you know, Bruce Springsteen, you mean, you're like, wait, wait. I, it's hard for me to fathom it getting bigger than what, it, I i have seen you too in that building, <laughs> like, yeah, right. I don't know how it gets bigger than some of these shows that you brought in, but is there a need for a a more regular tenant is there you know this is where the sports world comes into play right like obviously you've had ufc fights and the ciaa tournament um we're really excited about what that does for the city but you know can is there is there worthy conversation about a more regular sports tenant being a part of the new arena
6: do you want me to tell you what you want to hear?
1: Kinda. I mean, of but the but the truth too. You know.
6: <laughs> no. The, the God's honest truth is the, the the new building is going to be built for concerts. Okay. It's primarily a, a concert building. However, we still have the ice. We can still do one-off um, sporting events. It's just honestly, Baltimore is more of a concert city. I'm from Baltimore. I, I you know I don't want to hear it either. If I was sitting on the other side, I would be shaking. My head at me right now. No, like I, by, by the way, I, one, and I, one.
1: Frank, I'm not trying to suggest the NBA or the NHL for what it's. I, 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 definitely think that's a pipe dream. I, you know, I think that people have talked about like, could there be could Baltimore be a WNBA team? Some just something that gets a couple more dates they during the course of the year. Don't
6: make enough money yeah. to justify the dates. Okay. Uh, that,
1: that's the problem. Okay.
6: people don't want to hear it, but the, okay, but they take a you know, God only made you know 52 <laughs> weekends, right? Right, and everyone wants them. Um, and you make a whole lot more money for the city and for the the arena itself with concerts um, than family shows. Um, yeah, people don't want to hear it, uh, but I think you're better off with how we did it before. You'll do the uh, you know, Maryland basketball games. You'll do the one-off uh, maybe Capitals or Wizards games. Um, you do... Th- The CIA basketball tournament, things like that. That's our niche. That's that's what we want.
1: Could it Um, could it get? That's what'll work. Could it get us back in competition for an NCAA tournament, perhaps? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. I mean, that would be, dude. Everybody in the city talks about how they were there to see Wake Forest all those. I mean, like, there's not a person in this city that doesn't claim to have been there that weekend watching Tim Duncan and Randolph Childers play basketball uh, in the mid '90s. I mean, that would be a really big deal to get back. My recollection
6: of that. the, The funny story I have with that. We had three basketball rims, right? Okay. And the uh, big country. Yeah, Brian Reeves from Oklahoma practice. State, yep. Yep, he shattered our backboard. Right <laughs> Now we're down to two. <laughs> For the whole tournament, it hasn't started yet. I walked over to him and said, please,
1: don't please
6: do- don't do that. This is before they had the spring-loaded, you know, the, the anti-shatter ones. Please
1: don't do that again. I never knew that think story. We don't have any more what yeah. what would you have done at that point like just, you would have just had to stop the NCAA tournament for a little while absolutely
6: <laughs> absolutely oh so that was the end of it so he uh he uh he was nice enough not to do it again, <laughs> again and And the rest is history. But that was an incredible event for us. Oh. Euphoric being part
1: of that. But I think alone, that would be a massive, massive. And again, as I say that, you know, I was there for the John Jones fight. I was there for the Javante fight, right? Like, those were incredible nights for our city. Those were unbelievable events and the business, what it meant for downtown. Just having more options for things like that at a new building, I think is is an insane benefit of something like this. Yeah, absolutely.
6: Yeah. It's the mix, right? Um, and, and the problem with, with the sports franchise, there was a time when I was in the building in the early nineties, we were doing 195 events a year. Right now we're doing about 105, which you go, man, that was way better back then. Well, we lost money. right. Mm -hmm. And, and toward the end, we were one of the most profitable buildings in the nation of our size. Um, until we shut, you know, shut the doors down. And the reason being is that the teams, you just, they eat a lot of the dates. You know, basketball's 40 dates, right? Then you have practices and all that stuff. And they, and they eat the weekend dates and you're better off doing one-offs like an event. Like when we did the Wizards and we did the, uh, and the
1: Capitals, the capitals yeah.
6: that was incredible. Unbelievable. They were events, right? And, yep. that, and that's when you really can draw the people and the sponsorships
1: and all that stuff. Frank Ramish. I'm excited about the building, but I'm more excited about Friday night and Project Runway. Um, I, I, I know how just very important you are to Barks to show your soft side and to what their mission is, and I'm grateful for that. I can't wait to see you Friday night. Uh, I hope that... Um, I'm not telling you, I'm not, I'm not giving you a sob story about how my wife just adopted three animals and I am, I'm panicked and I need to get to pick up a new job from you uh, working concessions at the new arena because of it. I hope that's not the case. But if it is, we'll, we'll make it work, I think is what we'll say. Uh, thank you for spending a couple of min- minutes with us this morning, my friend, and we will see you on Friday night. All right. It's...
6: Really appreciate the support. Thanks, everyone out there.
1: Frank Remish, general manager of the Baltimore Arena appreciate him taking the time for us and i appreciate the honesty frankly i i appreciate the honesty about the building and about you know what it's going to be best for and for him to say look the building's going to be best suited for events not for sports it probably answers our question about you know we were joking with delaney williams the other day about bringing back the skip jacks and we and would you rather wednesday a couple weeks ago we brought choked about bringing back indoor lacrosse I think Frank's kind of making it in a not-so-subtle way. That's, that's not what this building is going to be for, mm-hmm. is it's not going to be for secondary sports clients. Right. This is going to be a building for major events. And, you know, if, if that's what they're getting, and I certainly have every reason to trust. This isn't me because we t- you guys have heard me for years talk about the job that Frank Remish and his team have done with, with that, with that building that they were working with. To get the types of events that they got. To get UFC pay-per-views. To get U2, Bruce Springsteen, Prince, Dave Matthews Band. You name it. They've all been through. Major stadium caliber concerts. Garth Brooks. You ever heard of him? Justin Timberlake. That was a great night, man. That was a great night. Jay-Z familiar with his work i was also there for lil wayne i think i still have a contact high from it that was a night man i went with jay trucker oh god that was a night jay was working for the sun at the time he's like hey man i need somebody to go with me that would know the names of the songs i'm like and i was really into lil wayne at that time i'm like yeah i mean i'll I'll probably know like a handful of them i i i probably would have but i was i was definitely impacted (laughs) Like, I've never seen anything like it. I'm like, and this is before, like, you know, the laws kind of changed. I've never seen anything, like, just openly. No one caring. Mm. Everyone in the building, high as hell, and just smoking right in front of everybody else. I was like, wow, I'm not used to this. This is a new thing for me, man. Um, So that's what they were getting before. So I certainly have complete faith and trust in Frank Remish to get the events of the caliber of the building afterwards, I have one thousand percent faith in that. Is it a bummer because you want to believe that there's can be a sports, you know, capacity to it? Yeah, sure. I want to, I want to believe that. But I understand what he's saying in that the dates are more valuable for us for the events we could get versus trading them for indoor football. I mean, we tried the indoor football thing in Baltimore, I believe, in like four different forms and fashions. And, you know, I went. They, they did not make a lot of money. I mean, there's a reason why none of them exist. And I wish it was the case. And, I, you know, I, I like indoor football. I think it's actually a fun product. Um, but it just didn't work. So I certainly can understand Frank Remish being practical about it and saying, yeah, that's not what this building is going to be for. This building is going to be for the major events that we can pull into town. Okay, I hear you. Let's go get the NCAA tournament. That'd be pretty cool. It'd be pretty freaking cool to land the first weekend of the NCAA tournament in Baltimore. All right, uh, speaking of the NCAA tournament, that's where Kevin Willard is hoping, oh, you know what, I forgot we got a new print issue of Press Box. <laughs> Damn it. That would have been such a good transition. And then I looked over and I was like, oh, right, it's a new one.
0: <laughs> Crap.
1: <laughs> speaking of the NCAA tournament, Adley Rutschman.
0: <laughs> I'm sure he's watched the NCAA I bet he tournament.
1: has. I bet he's enjoyed it. Like the rest of us. He's playing baseball again. You can read this cover story from Luke Jackson. Go pick up the new print issue of PressBox, which is available right now for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms and the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. Read it all, pressboxonline.com. We come back in tidbit, tubular, and uh, we'll give our answers for Would You Rather Wednesday. That's next, Glenn Clark Radio. Answering Baltimore's calls for help. Running in when others run away. Working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore Police. But the department needs more good people. People like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Boulevard. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from, and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com stay
2: tuned your chance to win a million dollars is coming up probably not from us you're listening to glenn clark radio
1: all right winding down for a would you rather wednesday edition of the program if you missed simply the bets yesterday you can find it right now it's available, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Click on the videos tab or go to pressboxonline.com slash video, youtube.com slash pressboxonline. We do it every Tuesday morning at 1140 a.m. Try to help you win some money for the week. Simply the bets. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. All right, would you rather uh, all the defensive players are off the board? Charles Cross is off the board. Would you rather it be one of the next offensive linemen, Trevor Penning, Tyler Linderbaum, or one of the top wide receivers who both happen to fall?
0: One of the top wide receivers. I think that what you have with Hollywood Brown, a couple of different things could happen. Either uh, he goes off this year and you want to keep him, and then you got to pay a ton of money for him, mm-hmm. or uh, he's is either what he has been or not what you expect him to be, and he's still going to want a ton of money. And I think that you have if you have two legitimate number one wide receivers, because like, like a Garrett Wilson and Rashad Bateman on a cheaper rookie contract, I think it's better for your team.
1: For me, it's really just about the value of the player at this point, because like. Uh, Broadly, if you said, Hey, do you think it should be an offensive lineman or a wide receiver? I'd say an offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But they bring yourself up slightly on the Um I would say, you know, to to Ken zales's point that that Jamison Hensley and the csbn thing last night took um Jordan Davis with Charles Cross still on the board. You know, I I could I could make an argument for if Charles Cross is sitting there. Uh, give me Charles Cross, mm-hmm. right? Like I, it'd be t- it'd be tough because I am really enamored with Jordan Davis, so I actually might not. But I, in in another scenario where Jordan Davis is off the board and Charles Cross is sitting there, give me Charles Cross. Between the two, between offensive line and wide receiver, offensive line definitely is more of a need right. than wide receiver is. But taking the first couple of tackles off the board and looking at guys that overwhelmingly people think seem to think are values in the twenties. And that's why I said very clearly I, I'm not giving the option of trading back and taking those players. I'm saying you got to make the pick. Nobody wants to trade up. you got to make a pick. It's either you're taking one of those guys or you're taking a wide receiver. I'd rather have the the special football player. And I, maybe Tyler Linderbaum will prove to be a very special football player. Maybe Trevor Panning will prove to be that guy. But I look at these wide receivers, and I just think they're really good, man. Yeah. Like I really like this wide receiver class. And that's a problem I'll solve. Um, so my buddy, Bruce Rafael, who used to be at Baltimore Beatdown, down, um, he and I work out at the same gym and I saw him last night and he was like, I just, this is a running team. Like, what are you going to do with a third wide receiver? Like you already can't get the young guys that you have on your roster on the field. And I say, okay, Bruce, what's easy to see that say that. But remember, like we didn't think cornerback was a need this time. We thought cornerback was this team's strength a year ago. I, I, I always am very careful about saying you have to draft for need. I I can prioritize need if everything else is equal, right? If we get to, to 14 and somehow Jermaine Johnson's on the board versus the wide receivers, I have no issue with saying the bigger need would be for a Jermaine Johnson. If somehow Sauce Gardner is on the board, I have no problem saying one is a bigger need than the other. Right. But to eliminate a position just because you don't think it's an area of need i'm never going to be okay with that with unique exceptions right i'm not going to draft another quarterback if malik willis is they believe the best player in this draft and is sitting there at four i'm not just going to draft malik willis for the fun of drafting a quarterback there are exceptions to this rule but there are few there are very rare exceptions to the rule i just happen to think the values in the wide receiver so that would be my answer you can go to vegas Food and room taken care of, hang out for the draft, or you can be a fly on the wall in the Ravens draft room for the weekend. Oh,
0: Ravens draft room. Get get, get to see how how it's made, how it's done. Why would you pass that up? I've I've been to Vegas a couple of times. there's
1: There's a couple of things here, right? The first being you don't have kids. So, like, that's the first one I'll throw in there. The idea that I could get a weekend away doing anything. Like, I might go watch the draft for five minutes and then disappear and do something else in Vegas. Like, I'll go see Celine Dion, you know? (laughs) Like, whatever it is that I'm doing, like, it's the idea of getting a weekend away from the kids that has some value. Um, No offense to my kids, who I love, but are are buttholes. Um, I, I also struggle with... Well, I understand your argument that it would be cool to be in the draft room knowing I'll never be able to talk about it. I'll never be able to say anything about it. Like I, It'll just be for me, I think would almost be tricky. Right? You can't
0: talk about it at all?
1: Well, I mean, you would sign. You'd have to sign a thing that says you're not going to talk about it. So the argument, well, I could tell one of my buddies until one of your buddies tells somebody else about something, and then all of a sudden you get sued because you signed a thing saying you weren't going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Like There's no way that they would ever let you in this room if you were going to go out and tell people about something, like they just, they, just, that would have to be a part of this process, was that you were allowed to be in there, but you were never allowed to talk about it, or else they wouldn't let you in.
0: It's weird that you wouldn't be able to talk about it after the fact.
1: Would, I mean, like, you would end up giving away secrets yeah. about the way that they do things. Like, well, a guy the, like
0: me, I wouldn't do that.
1: Yeah, thank you. Oh, I,
0: I, 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 I was just told people what their mindset was. I, it,
1: and I'm... I imagine that you could probably find a way to dance around talking vaguely about it without Mm -hmm. getting in trouble for it, but the stuff that you'd want to know, like the stuff like, hey, they didn't have so-and-so on their board. Like once upon a time, they say Rob Gronkowski wasn't on their board at all. Like that that knowledge that you would have, you definitely wouldn't be able to share until years down the road without them taking it as actionable upon you, right? right? Because if you're... It might be that in four years, there's a player they didn't draft that they want to sign. They don't want you saying things about, hey, they hated that guy. Boy, they once upon a time, they didn't want Anquan Bolden. Then they wanted Anquan Bolden. They wouldn't want you to have come out and said it to everybody, we didn't like Anquan Bolden because then maybe Anquan Bolden wouldn't want to come to Baltimore right. at that point, right? right? Like They would not want you sharing any real information after the fact. So you would definitely have to sign away what it is that you're allowed to do. And that's tricky to me because like, it would still be neat to see, but I got a weekend away from the kids in Vegas. Give me that, and then number three.
0: Um, give me the San Diego punter. I I, I was ready. I thought that Sam Cook was showing signs of aging last year, and if this guy can boot the ball ninety yards now, can he can he place his punts or is he just all power? It, uh, that's what I'd want to know. But if if you're asking me point blank, I take the punter.
1: I am a no, um, and it's a pretty simple no to me. At some point, you'll know when your punter can't do it. Sam Cook's not there. Um, does you want to say he lost a little heat on his fastball? Sure. I mean, he's one of the great punters of a generation. Maybe he's lost a bit of heat on his fastball, but there will be a day where you know it's over, and when it's over, you can find a punter. Um, I'm not using a fourth round pick if I needed, If like Sam Cook had retired this off season, different conversation mm-hmm. altogether. I'm not using a fourth round on a pick on a punter when i don't need a punter i don't think the ravens ever would do that when it's a risk that that could pay off but it's still a risk that's not necessary Mm -hmm. it's not a necessary and you can only keep one like you draft that guy you're saying sam cook's gone or you're spending a fourth round pick on a player that you're not putting on your roster because you go through training camp and you realize he ain't ready right like it's it's one or the other you want to sign an undrafted free agent and find out if like he can become justin tucker at some point in the future that's a different conversation a fourth round pick on a punter when you already have one who can do the job still i can't do that that's that's too sure. much sure. um that one a bit more split everybody almost everybody's on the draft room and uh the first one actually is leaning more wide receiver than offensive lineman from uh, from you guys continue we got a ton of action on this one i'm sorry it's already 12:22. i can't read everybody's responses Tidbit brought to you today by the Baltimore Police. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good, bpdrecruit.org.
0: All right, through 16 games, Orioles shortstop Jorge Mateo has a major league leading seven stolen bases, already two more than he had through twice as many games last season. He is currently on pace for 67 stolen bases this season, which would be an Orioles record even if you factor in the St. Louis Browns, but why would anyone do that? The Orioles history, in Orioles history, a player has stolen 40 or more bases in a season 9 times accomplished by 6 players. Who are those players? Say that one more time. So in Orioles history, a player Uh has stolen 40 or more bases in a season nine times. Right. And those nine times have been accomplished by six players.
1: Uh, Brian Roberts.
0: Brian Roberts. He did it uh, twice. He did 50 in 2007, and he had 40 in 2008.
1: Brady Anderson.
0: Brady Anderson had 53 in 1992.
1: Um It's your
0: second all-time for the Orioles.
1: I'm trying to think of who have had more then. Huh. How about... Who had more than in a single season? Mm-hmm. Boy.
0: Um...
1: I mean we have to do we have to go back like is it Louis Aparicio? Luis Aparicio okay.
0: 57 in nineteen sixty four and forty in nineteen sixty three. Do the
1: others we have to go back a little ways for like
0: um, one of them you do and then the other two have happened in the last two decades.
1: Okay. The other two have happened in the last two decades. Wow. I'm guessing it wasn't um, Felix P.A. I'm just going to guess no. that probably wasn't the one.
0: But I feel like you're sort of on the right track.
1: There's a random... hmm Like a, 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 a Jay Payton, a Corey Patterson. Corey Patterson. Yeah. 45 in
0: 2006. I don't remember that at
1: all. I mean, why would I, right? Like, right. who remembers what Corey Patterson
0: did? I remember. Uh, And...
1: And there's another one in the last twenty years very
0: recently he's very still playing, recently. but not for the Orioles still playing and he's but only not thirty for
1: the Orioles. only thirty still playing, not for the Orioles
0: that was yeah,
1: there. oh boy, I don't think Nate McClouth is still playing no wow, um still he's 30 years old still playing not for the Orioles and he had 40 stolen bases mm-hmm. in a single season so it's not Jonathan's scope no um
0: you weren't far off though
1: i wasn't far off though vr Jonathan vr, VR. Yeah, yeah that it does had make 40 sense in damn 2019 it. damn it that does make sense all right and the other one you said was it's,
0: he did it twice did it twice I'm and, actually what su- was
1: the, and the time frame was a while ago?
0: He did it in 1976 and 1980. I'm actually surprised you haven't guessed this guy yet.
1: Al Bumbry? Al Bumbry. Okay. He had all 42 right.
0: and 76 and 44 and 80.
1: Uh, I should have. You're right. I should have guessed that. Very good. All right. Uh, Tubular. Uh, you know what? We've done all the sponsors. I don't need to give this to anybody. Tubular is brought to you by me. <laughs> it's brought to you by Glenn Clark. He's amazing.
0: When did you do Glory Days?
1: Did it for Would You Rather Wednesday, Doc? Oh, sorry.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: glory days girl brings you would you rather wednesday and i encourage you to go to glorydaysgirl.com but also don't forget anybody who gets in will be registered to win the 25 five dollar gift card um totally tubular for the evening orioles yankees game two of three game set tyler wells is on the mound Uh, against Jordan Montgomery. It's 7 o'clock on Masson. If you happen to live in uh, Boston or the Toronto markets, you can uh, watch it on MLB Network. So there's that. Masson 2, Marlins Nationals at 7, MLB Network, Day of Baseball, Mets Cardinals 1, Dodgers D-backs 4, Red Sox Blue Jays 7, Athletics Giants 10. Uh, Stevenson's got York tonight, 7 o'clock, YCP Spartans.com. That's a big one in D3 lacrosse. TNT uh, Bulls-Bucks game 5 at 7.30. Nuggets-Warriors game 5 at 10 as both the Bucks and Warriors try to move on. Champions League this afternoon, liverpool Villa Real, 3 o'clock on CBS – and uh, TBS for AW Dynamite tonight at 8. Some non-sports highlights. Uh,
0: Glenn's favorite band of all time, the B-52s, are going to be on Jimmy Kimmel Live.
1: Apparently they're uh, calling it quits. Oh. I Which, again, was a surprise to me that they were still together. Yeah, me too. They actually too. played an HF Festival once, if I remember really? correctly. Yeah,
0: That's depressing. No, 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 no.
1: The B-52s were, you're saying this, the, the B-52s you think of as a novelty band because you think of Love Shack. Mm-hmm. The B-52s made very good music. Um, you just you think of them as being a, a novelty band because Love Shack is That's so all encompassing. But they made good good the, songs.
0: The wife refused to allow that song to be played at our wedding. That's weird. She hates it. That, that doesn't make any why? I
1: why know. hate that song? Like, <laughs> I could be indifferent towards it. I can't imagine hating it. There's got to be a there's got to be a story there. I ask why there's got to be a, a lot of things. There's got to be does. something that, that happened at some point. It may point not that even be she that, associates she, that she
0: hates a song. I think she just thinks it's too
1: Like there's a lot of songs I don't like, but I wouldn't go out of my way like to say you can't play this like I would I wouldn't love if somebody played I certainly you know what there's one song I probably wouldn't go I would make sure that nobody, there was no Smash Mouth played fair enough because I have suffered through a Smash Mouth concert and I still have PTSD because of it right so I still it, I get triggered effing John Proctor every time I play trivia whenever he's hosting it I'll, he'll he'll throw in a Smash Mouth song and I'm not kidding I get chills
0: oh man like I
1: get chills to come across my body my kids like the one song because of Shrek like mm-hmm. they, they like it and I'm like Ugh, I, I just I feel away, man. Was a guy away. super
0: drunk falling off the stage? No, like, I wasn't was there for won- that one. It, oh my god! Everybody was. there
1: was a huge. It was at the state fair. There was a huge crowd, and there were everybody else was there unironically. I was mm-hmm. the only person there ironically. Everybody else was like into it. I'm like I'm so happy to see Smash Mouth, but I just wanted to die. <laughs> I wanted to die. It was so dreadful. <laughs> People love that content.
0: You know, it's it's funny because before my wife could even tell the DJ she didn't want Love Shack played at the wedding, he said the one song I will not play is Love Shack. So weird. Like
1: what is the love the bit with Love Shack?
0: Yeah, I I I don't know. Very indifferent. Yeah. Did you know that means pregnant?
1: Uh, no, but now my, I do. My How mom about told that? Me that? If you say um,
0: so. Also, uh, Glenn's favorite comedian, David Spade, is on the Tonight Show starring uh, Jimmy Fallon tonight. You have uh, Bull Bleep, the game show, uh, premiering on on Netflix, and the mystery of Marilyn Monroe, the unheard tapes on so, Netflix. So
1: nothing then is what you were trying to say. <laughs> so no, nothing.
0: I gotta give him something.
1: Oh uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, thanks. Oh, to Moon Knight episode five. Oh yeah, thats I is Disney a. Place. I gotta I gotta start diving me in. Too. There's been so much going on, and Ozark is back on Friday. There's just too much happening right now. All right, very good. Thanks today to Frank Ramesh. Thanks also to Rick Spielman. Thanks to Drew Forrester. And thanks to Dylan Harris and the Bay Sox. We'll get all that up in the Greatest Hits section of the Archibes. tab at com. Uh, Spencer Watkins, Orioles pitcher, will join us tomorrow. We will do our draft draft with Ken Zalis. Um, uh, stuff and things is all I'll say. Stuff and things coming up as well. All right, thanks everybody at Press box, Everybody at... All, right, all, the, all of our great sponsors and partners is what I meant to say. Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Baltimore Police, Great Eights Memorabilia, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Paul. Follow him on Twitter at the 3rd Thanks to Ryan at Specs Ryan, Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Wednesday night. Go Birds. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.